0: Yo, 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 Thought Warriors! What is up? Our learning is on. It's I, Van Lathan Jr.
1: And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay.
0: Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Yes. Mm hmm. Going to the Lakers game last night. Tell us how it was.
1: I had a lot of fun. I bet you did. I've never set courtside at the Lakers game. You set courtside last night. It's so the feet on the floor. Oh nigger! <laughs> Why? Oh, Why? Oh nigger! It was, and I felt so bad because it was the Lakers versus the Heat, and you know the Heat is Brian's favorite team. But I was invited; they weren't my tickets. So what am I supposed to do? Say no? Oh my god! Say no because this it is was... the peak. No, <laughs> fuck that! Hold on, I'm supposed to this. say
0: no. I didn't notice. Wait a minute. I was invited. Wait a second. I was sure. That I went with Brian? That you went when I saw it was a Lakers heat, (laughs) I was sure, and I knew you were at the game, I was sure that you went with Brian.
1: Couldn't take Brian.
0: Donnie, jump in. And keep it real, Donnie. Donnie, I don't need the bullshit. Ashley too. Donnie, Donnie, I don't need the I I I swear to God, I didn't know this till just now.
1: didn't know. I know you didn't know. Donnie,
2: jump in. So was there no way that you could have got Brian there? There there was nothing. I was invited.
1: My friend invited me to the game. There were two seats. Hers and a plus one. Would you turn? Would you Donnie Detroit Pistons courtside? Somebody invites you.
0: That's not that's wrong. You're doing it the opposite way. Why? You're doing it the opposite way. Oh,
1: because he's the big fan. Because he's okay. the okay. fan. Your so, wife, so Don- Donnie. Donnie's
0: wife. Your the, the wife, Donnie. is, and Donnie's is wife. Is she a sports man. fan? Oh, my God. She is, yes.
3: Okay,
1: yeah. If, yeah. if your wife gets invited to sit courtside at a Detroit Pistons game or, you know, you're in Atlanta at a Hawks game that are playing the Detroit Pistons, that's more like how it is.
0: And you're not a Laker fan, so let's put this on.
1: But I'm a sports fan. Let's put
0: this on. Wax. I'm a sports you're fan, not a right? Laker fan. She's a
1: sports fan, okay? Maybe she's not a Detroit. Maybe she's a fan. Whatever. She's a sports fan. Brian, I feel you. She dog. gets invited you, to the G. game. Court side. I feel you, G. Is she supposed Brian, to turn it down just because you're a fan? You're a super fan?
2: No. See, she I'm not gonna hold her back. From having a good time. I'm not going to hold her back. And that's a a good man, you, Let me tell you what should have
0: happened. Let me tell you what should have happened. What? Brian should have gone with your friend.
1: Wow. So everybody could say Brian was on a date courtside at the game. It's either a woman, or, mind you. It was a woman.
0: Either that or it was a woman. See, yeah, I didn't know that.
1: it's a woman. Okay,
0: so like, so I, I didn't always listen to that part. So this makes it a little but bit... But if it
1: was like my best guy friend invited me to the game, I'm supposed to not go? If
0: it, let's say that it was your best guy friend. Let's say that it was your best guy friend inviting you to the game. Okay. Okay? Whoever, I've met guy friends that you've had. It doesn't matter. Okay. You definitely should have let Brian go if it was his team playing. If it's the heat plane when they come to LA, I, this is what I'm talking about.
1: I feel this nothing. Is,
0: this is what I'm talking <laughs> I about. Had a Ashley, good time.
1: Ashley? Yeah. Am I wrong? I I agree with you, Van. If, it, Boom. if it's just like a guy friend. Ashley. Oh, she said if it's a guy friend. If it's a guy friend, if, if, friend then you got to yeah. let your husband go. But yeah. since it was your girlfriend then. If my it's best all good. friend. What did Brian say? I said, Brian, because my little sister's still in town too and so that that was like oh you know do you mind if I go you're in town I'm gonna go to this game blah, blah. and there's reasons behind why I went with this friend I'm not gonna tell her business but anyways um, no like she's going through something and so like I was there to like support her anyways at um, the liquor game nigga she needed to get out
0: Yeah, I didn't like like it's she needed it's, to get out it's like yeah it's like y'all go to the park was that what ladies she do she needed to I go walk Ooh, on the beach.
1: Sexist. Come Wait, on, well, keep going. No, well, We, go, we go for long walks. I've seen these women commercials be shopping. We can't, women go to shopping. We, can't, we, we can't go to shopping. Women we shopping. We can't these, go to sports. We can't go enjoy game.
0: Well, You said she was going through something. She and is. So when I see so, so, like, we, so I, I went to go
1: have a I went to go watched, out with her. Waiting she to, to get out.
0: I watched the Joy Luck Club. I watched Practical Magic. I've seen all of these movies. I ain't never seen women. Well, that's
1: because the industry successful. Sexist. I've never
0: seen women getting over their issues at the Lakers. They game. go do
1: their hobbies. They go have a good time. Some mm-hmm. a friend gave her the tickets and was like, "Do you, do you invite someone?" Ever seen girlfriends? Yes.
0: Ever seen them at the Lakers game? Ever see Sex in the City? Did they go to the Lakers game? You ever see girls Lakers game? Insecure Lakers game. What I'm telling you right now is. Is, is, I'm a modern day woman. You're a modern woman. I, I'm not you. Ch- hey, 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 chill. Hey, hey. No, yo. no, you chill. Oh, you chill. You chill. No, chill, chill. Listen. All I'm saying is Brian. I I'm like here to for you. And Me and Brian relax going to Laker hold on a Lakers game. At a Lakers game. I'm about to look it up right now. Me and Brian. I'm taking Brian to the Make Lakers game. Make sure you game. get him courtside. I'm a, okay. Cool. I'm. Well, nigga, what? Like, I ain't got money,
1: nigga. No, fuck. Okay. Nobody's saying you don't have money. Hold,
0: oh, hold on, hold. On. Let's see. St- I'm so mad for Brian right now. <laughs> I'm so like I'm I'm, I'm, Brian. I'm, I'm I'm calling Brian. I'm so mad for Brian right now. What you think he's gonna say? What you think he gonna say? What you think I'm you think Brian. what do you think he's gonna say? What like what is he why would you call him right now?
1: What, Hi, baby. Hi, babe. Babe, you're on speakerphone and you're on the podcast. Brian. Oh
0: shit. <laughs> Brian, I want you to keep it all the way real too, G. I want you to keep it all the way real.
1: Van is very upset. On your behalf, that I went to the Lakers-Heat game, Heat being your favorite team, courtside, and didn't give you the ticket. How do you feel about that? Were you upset?
2: I mean, that was a little salty, but here's the deal.
1: Ow! Let him him explain. Let him explain. Let him explain.
2: Here's how I rationalize that, though. If she would have given the ticket to me, then I would have gone with her girlfriend. So it's like, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? So it only made sense since her girlfriend got the ticket that she took Rachel and whatever. I was was okay with
1: it. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, Let me ask you this. If I took, shout out to Mark Simmons, my best guy friend, if my best guy friend had the ticket and said, Rachel, I got a ticket to the game and he and I went, would you feel like you should have that ticket?
0: I mean, if it was a guy, I think, I would be more inclined
1: to go. And that way, me and Mark can bond. He knows you Oh, already. Oh, you want to b- Oh, y'all can bond? Have you have you tried to take Mark to dinner so y'all can bond?
0: See? Here we go. Here's a- <laughs> well, Brian, oh, but now
1: that it's a courtside you game, you want to bond? He doesn't even live here.
0: He doesn't even live here. So <laughs> Exactly. That wouldn't even be a situation. But if it was, I would, I would, I would want to go more with the guy. I, I don't know. Brian, like, when is your year. birthday?
1: Okay, Van's very upset. What is your birthday? It's coming up soon.
0: When February fifteenth, Brian. I'm looking at February seventh, right now. The Oklahoma City Thunder are playing the Los Angeles Lakers. Okay, he's getting you courtside. Two ticket two courtside tickets available right now. How much? <laughs> There's seventy six
1: hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, but you got money, <laughs> as you said. You got have money. To make it happen
0: for us, Brian. I'm not gonna lie. I might have to, you know what? I want to start a GoFundMe for the Thaw Warriors (laughs) to send Brian courtside. Like literally, Brian. Last night, I knew she was at the game because a friend of mine was there and she saw her. But I did not know that Rachel was courtside at the Heat game. But I I thought y'all went together because it's the Heat. What the? Yeah. No,
4: listen. That
3: that's. When she told me that
0: she got <laughs> tickets and it just so happened to be my hometown team, I was a little salty, I'm not gonna lie. But then I thought about it, I was like, Nah, it's, I feel it's, you. I, she didn't even get the tickets. If she would have gotten the tickets,
1: I of course would have taken it. Right.
5: Now I'm now I'm upset. I honestly.
1: told him when I so told funny. him I said Brian, I was like, when you got tickets to the to the courtside uh, to the Lakers game courtside. And he goes, oh, who are they playing? Who are they playing? And I just looked at him. They're playing goes,
0: Jimmy Butler. And he
1: goes, I just looked at the schedule. I said, I know, it stings. they playing Bam
0: Adebayo. <laughs> they playing Tyler Hero. Okay? Kyle Lowry. They're playing Duncan Robinson. Kyle Lowry. That's what they're playing.
1: Duncan didn't play.
0: Duncan didn't play last night? The niggas lost without LeBron and AD. It's a you, good game. <laughs> Sorry. Big... Yeah,
1: Sorry, man. Was... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good game. <laughs> All, right. All right.
0: Talk to you later. Okay, dude. love you. Bye. Exactly. You caught, and then you cost it, the heat of it, ca- it
1: cost. It was a nothing. It didn't count for anything. Both of them are sorry right now. Bye.
0: Was, you know, it what's <laughs> you know, it's crazy, man. I just look at that. I think about B. You know, Brian. <laughs> you, you at seventy
1: six hundred dollars? Have like,
0: fun. You at the? I might do that shit. To be real with you, not like, for
1: OKC. Come not, on, if you gonna spend money, nigga, you might OKC well spend-
0: is gonna be the only one I could afford. What are you talking about?
1: You could throw a couple extra thousand on it and Let's get see. a better game. Let's see. Do like.
0: Let's see. Dallas let's
1: see. would be fun. L- let's see. Let's see. You know LeBron's see. not playing, so you might be able to get it cheaper than you think. All right.
0: So you say you wanna, you wanna, you wanna look at 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 tickets that aren't like OKC okay, because I looked at because see once again I'm being I'm being like economical and being practical.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Let's see. Let's
0: let's see John ja Morant. John ja Morant. Okay. Let's go see Memphis. Let's see. Let's see John ja Morant. Two tickets right now. John ja Morant. Me- Memphis is coming to town. Let's do this thing on the StubHub app. Uh, look it up right now. Nine thousand dollars. You got it. You like, rich. Not, not, You're <laughs> like, rich. Nine thousand bucks. So not, I don't like when people say the word bucks. You don't like what? Well, <laughs> why like
1: bucks? I don't know. Just don't, lands wrong.
0: Bucks. Bucks. You don't like that shit. <laughs> Nine like thousand bucks.
1: Like that it.
0: did sound kind of bad. What I said about ladies. Not really. <laughs> any, you gotta be bad. free. Be you. Is it? But it, Donnie, be you. Donnie, Donnie, is that not a slight point? that like is it's, when I look at like, I've never I never heard my mom my mom loves that, sports I never heard my mom go yo let's kick it let's go to the Saints game and kick it
1: but I do that
0: yeah you do cause you love sports that's tough that's a tough one for Brian you heard the pain in his voice <laughs> he was like he was he was he was at home counting his abs over and over, <laughs> and, over and over again just thinking what the fuck man probably watching the broad. at work Probably watching the broadcast. He's at work.
1: And what made it worse? Wait, <laughs> what made it worse? This is not funny. We have a mutual friend. And for some reason, like, but Brian met her first. Mm. And she works. She's a fantastic uh, job at the Lakers. And so she was like, I think I just saw Rachel. Give me her info so we can go to the patio. Oh and my it's a God. section.
0: Rachel. <laughs> Rachel. Right it's Rachel. And then Rachel, they go to the patio. It's Rachel, Magic Johnson, Jack Nicholson, Leonardo DiCaprio. They're all over there chilling. There
1: were actors. There were Of players. course there were. Of course.
0: It's the Laker game. Of course there were. You're down there next to fucking Zoe Kravitz.
1: I've not even shown him my picture where I'm wearing, I got a ring on every finger where I'm wearing five rings. How did you get five rings? How did you get the Lakers' rings on? I I was I was around people who had championship rings. And they
0: let you wear the rings?
1: Yeah, I took a picture. You want to see? Donnie, okay. I'll send it to you so you can post it up on, on the YouTube.
0: So wait, you how did you get around rings? People had rings? Who had rings?
1: You fucking hanging out with
0: Jeannie Buss?
1: Like, she was not there. She was not there. <laughs> Jeannie was not there. I made it happen. You did make it happen. Look at this.
0: Oh, my. No. Hell no. <laughs> Brian. Look at this. <laughs> By the way, that picture is so messy. That's so messy. You're looking at like like you. That's like a fuck em girl face I think that you that's got. When on.
1: they beat Miami,
0: yeah, you got a you gotta. I fuck think one girl.
1: of these rings is uh a... the
0: from 2020. <laughs> yeah, you got a fuck 'em girl face on. You are like fuckum girl, Fuck 'em. Fuck 'em. fucking girl,
1: fucking girl, Fuck 'em. Girl.
0: Mm-mm. <laughs> that's great. But you have fun. Who is that? That's oh, Whitney. Her.
1: Yes, yes, Whitney. You met her. Yeah,
0: that's who's with. Taboo. Um, I like we, we have, we're going to cut the, we're it's terrible at taboo. Like one of the worst taboo players. Uh, like, like we're going to like just up there froze. <laughs> she froze. And then when I got
1: on her, you were like, stop. Yeah. She tried. You were she, super encouraging. And now you're talking shit about her on the podcast. Okay. Um,
0: okay. Guys, we are going to cut the pleasantries short. We gave you pleasantries right there. We gave you Brian. You guys should be cool. Yeah, I do want to say something before we move on to what is a packed show. We have two interviews coming up. One is with Joshua Cooper, who is a, doctor, a, a doctor, doctor Joshua Cooper, who's a cardiac electrophysiologist at the University, at Temple University, shall He's going to talk to us a little bit about Demar Hamlin, what happened, his future, uh, what might have happened because details are still sketchy, his future, um, and what his recovery might look like. Uh, we have another guest, Aaron Rupar, who is going to help us break down. The comical and wacky goings on in Washington with the farce that is uh, the House vote to elect or not elect Kevin McCarthy as, speak- as House Speaker. Before we get to that, I want to I send my condolences to the families of two people. Barbara Walters passed away. Um, legendary broadcaster, everybody knows the name. She was 93 years old, a life well lived, 60 plus years, uh, catapulted in part by her coverage of President John F. Kennedy's assassination. You are a woman in broadcasting. What did Barbara Walters mean to you?
1: I mean, Barbara Walters opened up so many doors. There's not one person who's in this industry who considers themselves a reporter, a journalist, a correspondent that can't credit Barbara Walters as having some type of influence over their career as early as I can remember turning on TV and watching a woman conduct an interview, I mean, it was it was Barbara Walters. Mm-hmm. You know, I I was young. Well, you know, there's only so many things we could watch. I was young watching mm-hmm. 2020. Sure. The 10 most fascinating people. You looked forward to that. Who was Barbara Walters going to deem as fascinating this year? So The View, a show that I love, is a show that was created by Barbara Walters, historic, giving women an opportunity to have their voice and all their voices heard, I should say, their opinions heard, their opinions mattered. And all these years since it started, it's the number one daytime show of women talking about politics and entertainment and current affairs. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's, it's a hot seat. People want to get on That came from the mind of Barbara Walters. So yeah, she's just meant so much. She means so much still to so many people. And that was marked by um, her last episode on the View, when they had yeah, I saw that female journalists from every network come there in a the long line to give her a hug and to con, you know, congratulate her on this legendary career and say what she means to them, and mm. nobody else could do that. But Barbara Walters,
6: a
0: lot of her interviewing tactics, I learned. Uh, I I tried to recreate them. Barbara was right to the point.
1: Mm-hmm. Why? Why? She was, why? That's so key to ask.
0: Saying your song, (laughs) suck dick from the back, give him a heart attack. What does that mean? She would go right to the source of it. Brilliant interview with Donald Trump. Held his feet to the fire. You would have thought the interview was four years ago. When you watch it in 1989, you see all the makings of a demagogue. Brilliant interview with, Sean Connery, still breathtaking, what Sean Connery said in the interview. Um, Monica Lewinsky, Michael Jackson, obviously Oprah, so many different people yeah. that she's talked to um, over the years, and not without some controversy. Sure, not without some controversy. She uh, talked about later in the career about her her style and about how sometimes she was less than sensitive to what people might have been going through or getting to the center uh, of somebody, but you know. Um, when somebody is a trailblazer to that degree, you have to take time out and uh, and you know respect their memory. Um, somebody else who passed away is a woman by the name of Lola Chantrell Mitchell, better known as Gangsta Boo. She's a former member of the 3-6 Mafia. When I say someone else, I want to make sure that I don't paint it in any way uh, as somebody less important. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew this woman. Oh. Uh she was somebody who, you know, when I came to Los Angeles, I would see her around and me being a Southern rap uh, fan, um, a star like her, uh, the female voice of one of the most important groups in hip hop history to me, and not just a female voice, a strong female voice, uh, a, a direct she influenced everything from the subject material to the cadence of a lot of the female rappers I hear now. Um, was just an amazing musician and a great person. Mm. It's not we weren't we weren't best friends, but she was somebody who. When I met her, I would see her out. She texts me every now and again. I text her back. We would talk, and it just felt so dope for me to be talking to Gangsta Boo, just knowing that that was somebody I had listened to when I was 15, 16 years old. Warm inviting cordial uh like amazingly real living legend Mm -hmm. um and you know she passed away at 43 there's no cause of death yet to everyone who loved lola and cared about her to the entire hip-hop community to everybody to you know dj paul to all the other brothers that i've been able to meet um you know since i've been out here who don't have any clue how much their music meant to so many people and how we rocked to it for so long. I offer my sincerest condolences and to her family and to really the entire city of Memphis. Mm-hmm. I offer my sincerest and deepest condolences. I felt gutted when I heard this news. Yeah. Gutted when I heard this news. So rest in peace to Lola, man. Just crazy.
1: And how at 43 is so young. Yeah. So young. Um, I would encourage our listeners, if you're not familiar with Gangsta Boo's music, maybe this is the first time you've heard of her, I I think a really good way to honor her, especially because I love this quote that Zani put in the rundown where she says that I have to admit respectfully and humbly that I am the blueprint. I hear my cadence in a lot of men and female rappers. Absolutely. And she talks about how she used to run away from it. Uh, but, and she said, I used to not, didn't want to even give my myself flowers because I've been so low key and humble, which you spoke to, but she's like, but I'm on some fuck, sh- fuck that shit is what she said. And she said, it's time to claim what's mine. I'm one of the main bitches. So I think that one of the best ways to honor her is to go listen to her music, go see what she meant to so many people like Van and, um, how she influenced music, especially, uh, rap in the South.
0: So I want to say something else about that period. You could say Gangsta Boo was underrated because maybe they did people didn't give her flowers when she was here. And that's definitely true. But I think that's true for rap artists prior to this current crop, period, from the city of Memphis. When we talk about important cities in rap, we talk about Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. We talk about New Orleans, of course, mm-hmm. cash money and what they was doing. We talk about Houston. Houston, of course. Houston was coming with it. We talk about Miami, talk about New York. I'm from Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge has an amazing crop of hip hop artists that have popped up over the last 10 years, long before that. Shout out to MC Nero. Um, shout out to Young Bleed. You know, the Concentration Camp, CeeLo, Max Manelli, all of those guys. Box, Royale, everybody that was doing their thing in Baton Rouge. But Memphis, man, there was a time in my life where I was listening to so much rap that was coming straight out of Memphis.
1: You don't think Memphis gets
0: it? Not to me, bruh. Like, to me, I, I to me when I think about, I don't hear people talk enough about A-Ball and MJG. They didn't,
1: cr- they don't, is not but, mainstream. But Ball and I, G, I get but it. like,
0: those are, Like, that's incredible classic music. They don't talk enough about, uh, you know, hypnotized minds. They don't talk enough about what was going on at Swath House. They don't talk enough about, to me, about Memphis and what was happening in Memphis and how a lot of the movements, right, that ended up being associated with other places. Mm -hmm. Like, when you hear the term crunk, what what city do you think
1: of? I don't... I don't even know what city I think of. Is that Memphis? Most
0: people would think of Atlanta. Memphis kind of started that crunk shit.
1: Hmm.
0: Memphis kind of is, is so much innovation. They were so far to ha- When you think about the production from Juicy J and them, when you oh think there was, so there was so many sounds, there was so many sounds, so much shit that was ahead of its time coming from there, right? And, you know, she was a big part of that. But you know, I hope, and I'm, I'm glad to see that Memphis has had a resurgence, or it's been getting its due. Unfortunately, you know, Dolph, we lost Dolph. Oh, Pusha is 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 having some legal problems, you know. But is here, Gotti is here. There's still a lot of people coming out of Memphis mm-hmm. doing their thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Key Glock,
6: mm-hmm. uh, a lot mm-hmm.
0: of those people. But yo, know, Memphis always been one of the places, one of the dopest places for hip hop music period, since I've been listening to it, especially in the South, you know what I mean? My man Gino used to put me on stuff. Even, you know, some of the stuff that just would shock me when I would just listen to the Three Six Mafia and it was Lord Infamous, just lick my butt, lick my butt. Like doing well, all Well, I this, mean, like slob on my swab knob. swab on but my, my knob. knob <laughs> like, pull, on like, all of that, and Boo was right there, but I want to make sure people give Memphis their credit because I think...
1: Maybe because, you think because people think of Memphis and the blues... I don't know. I mean, I, I never... I, I guess I, I think of Memphis because I'm from the South and there's so many of my, like, Texas rappers would do collaborations with Memphis rappers, which yeah. is what put me on the scene to Memphis rappers. Um, so I guess I'm just, maybe I'm just in a bubble and I think of it that way. But I do wonder if it's because Memphis and the blues, they don't necessarily think of it in the rap. Maybe they just didn't cross over to the mainstream. Mm. You know, like, I don't know if a lot of people would know who UGK was if, you know, they say...
0: Jay Z hadn't come down and done. Um, if Jay Z hadn't come down to done that, Big so Pimpin', there's an argument. There's an argument about know. that. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure for the for for the MTV generation, um, that Hov jumping on Big Pimpin' was huge for for UGK.
1: To cross a crossover, I,
0: I'm I'm not denying that, but God damn, it's hard for me to believe that you're a rap fan and you don't know who UGK is, man is is it's, it's just i agree. I, 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 like i get it man i i get it i get it but it's just it's hard for me with the classic music that they were putting out i
1: think there's it's, levels of fandom
0: of course i i know and also i'm from
1: the south so i'm so i'm biased mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i'm biased like i'm not going to know like, like rappers from the bay the same way that i'm going to know rappers from gonna the gonna south But you going to know the
0: rappers from the bay that you need to know like i'm going to know mac mall you know what i mean i'm going to know mac dre I'm going to know the rappers. You don't know any of those guys.
1: See what I'm saying? So see what okay. I'm saying? Oh, oh I'm, not, like, I'm, I'm not in i in any way heavily, trying to Heavily, No, 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 but I'm, I'm making an argument for the other side that I heavily know Southern rappers because it was so a part of the culture that I grew up in, in the South. But I don't know this. I don't know this, the what's equivalent to the Bay for those rappers. I don't know them.
0: Yeah, but I mean, you know, I mean, unless yeah, it's like too short, e forty. Too short, e forty. You know those guys. You know too short, e forty. But the bay. Once again, I could be, I could honest, and I'm not people. People that hear me on it, they think that I, I feel like hip hop is hip hop is too east coast bias, and you know, I want to move on because we got some. But like even that, do you know how much shit that people say, and how much of the way people talk in hip hop and rap right now? how much of the sounds. Do you know how much Bay Area rap has influenced hip-hop? I don't doubt it. Like, like, like Bay Area, do you know how much Bay Area rap? And it's just, okay, I'm gonna give you that solo Night's so though. I'm giving give you that Richie Rich seasoned veteran. Give it to me. I'm gonna give you, this great, it's great music.
1: I believe it. Yeah. All, right. all
0: right. Um, on the other side of this break, the big deal of the day, which is, of course, the really scary, harrowing scene that took place in the NFL earlier this week with DeMar Hamlin.
7: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water. all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by
5: Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
0: Okay, uh, good news to report. Demar Hamlin, who is, of course, the Buffalo Bills safety, um, who collapsed on the field uh, during a game against the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, is doing better. He is awake right now. He's holding hands with his family. Um, We are recording this on a Thursday. I want to make sure people know that because when you listen to this on Friday, there'll probably be even more updates updates on DeMar DeMar Hamlin. But for right now, things look good for him. He is Mm -hmm. trending upwards. He collapsed after a direct hit to his chest while tackling T. Higgins. T. Higgins can hear my voice. Brother, take a breath, go out there, keep competing. I'm sure that must be a tremendous amount of stress and strain
6: mm-hmm. on
0: him knowing that he was involved in that play to the to the team the families of both of these guys and to both teams yeah. man
1: oh how my crazy gosh, must this be
0: uh emergency responders gave him cpr on the field for loading them on the ambulance and really the entire sports world began yeah. to hold its breath yeah uh what did, you, what did you think when you saw this?
1: Sorry for that noise. The only reason I was looking up to see if um, T. Higgins had said, released a statement, which he, which he has. Um, I think this was just an hour ago. Forgive me if it wasn't. An hour ago from right now,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Thursday. But he says, obviously, it's just it's been hard just because I had something to do with it. Uh, he said, everybody's been making me feel whole again. And I talked to his mom and everything's okay. He's doing good. So I'm in a good place right now right um so you know hopefully he is taking some time for himself but you know with the news uh moving forward in the in a good positive direction i'm sure that that's making him feel much more um at peace than he's probably felt over these last couple of days what was your question
0: uh my question was what how, what did you go through when you first heard about uh Tell me what you're feeling. I
1: didn't for. see it live because I was at a an early dinner, and I'm getting text messages that are like, "Whoa, that's crazy! Did you see that?" People are assuming I'm watching the game mm-hmm. because I like to watch games. Okay, relax. And um, and I'm like, "No, what happened? Oh, was it a was it a crazy outcome? Was it a crazy play? Like I'm, you know, assuming it's something like that. Like, oh, I should have been watching the game and." you know, then I immediately get on Twitter and I see what happened. And And then immediately, of course, people like don't share the video anymore. But I was confused. I didn't understand what was happening. And then so I'm getting real live updates as it's happening about, you know, he's on the field. Now an ambulance is there. They took him away. Of course, we didn't have any details. So it was shocking. I was confused. I was sad. I just my heart immediately went out to him, his family, people who had to watch that live. They had no answers as to what we didn't even know if he was alive. Like we just didn't know anything. I never seen anything like that in all the years that I've watched sports. And then just to hear, you know, former NFL athletes talking about it and their emotion and, you know, people looking for answers on where do we go from here? What do we do? People debating, should we should they continue the game? Because it it was even in that point, it was so raw. What's going to happen? Seeing players crying on the field, um, covering their mouths. It was just it was shocking. It was jarring. I mean, I had never seen anything like it. You know, so all I could do is say you know, a personal prayer.
0: I wasn't watching when it happened. Yeah. Um, I wasn't watching when it happened. I looked, I was doing something else. I looked on my ESPN app and it said that the game was delayed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, why would the game be delayed? And um, so I then turned on the television, and I saw uh they had cut away from the game, and there were three people sitting around and i thought that there had been like a terrorist attacker or, or something mm. i didn't i didn't know what what event had happened right i did, just saw that I'm, I'm looking and then i saw that like there had been an um an injury that had stopped the play and obviously i felt like this was i thought that this was a a spinal cord injury of some sort but normally with those injuries something will happen a player will be carted off you'll either get a thumbs up or you won't uh and as the player is carted off They'll take them to the hospital and they continue to play football. Mm -hmm. This one, when I was looking at it, it felt different. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I started to think when I was looking at everybody, when they talked about the fact that a player had collapsed and nobody knew what was going on, it's the first thing I'm thinking is this this kid has passed away. Mm. This kid is... This kid has died. He's passed away on the field. Then, you know, I start looking at what's going on and looking at what's happening. And I I think like everyone else, I felt this sense of shock and fear. Like, just don't let this happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the, I always think in life about the turn. You know what I mean? Like, the turn. The 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 intent is you watch a football game, you have fun. They're playing a football game, they're competing at the highest level to go out there and accomplish something for their teams, for themselves, and for them families, for their families. And then the turn is you know, somebody's fighting for their life. Mm-hmm. It's just life is so unforgiving in that way. Um, and it was interesting to see people united in positive feeling on Twitter. But well, that never happens. On Twitter's, on Twitter, somebody's good is your terrible.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Somebody's win is your loss. Mm-hmm. Somebody's gain is is your, I can't believe that happened for them. Always. But to see there be this sort of unifying, almost cynicism-defying uh, sense of goodwill um, in this particular situation was deeply moving for me. And people think, or they say, that prayer and energy and vibes that it doesn't matter. I think that it does. I think that you put things out into the universe, into the atmosphere um, and you affect things. Absolutely. Uh, I'm I'm hoping that there, that there are enough prayers out there still for him as he continues to get better, because he's going to have uh, a, another fight now. And that fight is to be the same DeMar Hamlin, Exactly. Um, that he was before. If you guys don't know him, he was a he's a he's been in the league a couple of years, um, played at Pitt, uh, and got the opportunity to play this year because of an injury to Micah Hyde, who plays in the the Bills' defensive backfield. But um, you know, his life completely changed in one hit on that night.
1: And I hope, and as we're talking about it and talking about what happened on the field and. Potentially what could be done to prevent, once we know more, that type of injury happening again. We also have to talk about the future of Demar and if he returns or if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And other athletes that might not have that type of injury, but other injuries that completely take away their ability to do a career that they've pretty much invested their entire life into. Yeah. That's a conversation that needs to be talked about more. I cannot name the show. I think it was a Cleveland show. Shout out to them. Um, There was a brother on there who had a really great-
0: Absolutely. Broke it down in terms of-
1: Of disability. And mm -hmm. I've seen it in real life. Like I dated a guy who was no longer an athlete, a professional athlete. His career got cut short shorter than he did, um, just made it over that three years. Yeah. Because you have to at least have three years. I think it's three years and a day is what it used to be. Just made it over the three years, but still was in a fight to get four years seeing multiple team doctors that were deemed the doctor to see by the NFL. You couldn't see your own doctor. Had to go multiple times, would fail, didn't have the certain number of checkpoints, had to go to another doctor, get a positive... Got to go, go to a third doctor. that doctor told him it was a no, no disability. just looking for a couple thousand dollars a month to be able to survive the pain the the lifelong pain that they've suffered on the field. They're injured it's It's insane the dis like what they have to go through just to get disability for sacrificing their bodies, for our entertainment, you know what I mean for and and like it can be detrimental to them for a lifetime. So I hope this brings up more issues about disability um, and sets these NFL players up in the future.
0: We're going to bring on Dr. Cooper in a second to talk about uh, Demar Hamlin's injury and perhaps what um, Damar Ham- Hamlin's injury and perhaps what uh, the road that he has um, to sort of make it back and what he thinks happened. Dr. Joshua Cooper, who is the head of cardiac electrophysiology at Temple University. But I, I think something interesting happened that night, too. And it was also moving and eye-opening. hmm And we're going to talk about this a little bit after we talk about, after we talked to Dr. Cooper, because there was fallout
3: from yeah.
0: what happened on Monday night. I think for a second, we did something that we rarely do. Okay. Which is look at athletes as human beings. I get all the reasons why it's difficult to look at an athlete as a human being. Sure. Because human beings can't dunk on 12-foot rims. Mm -hmm. We don't think that they can do
3: that. Mm -hmm.
0: Human beings can't run the 40 in 4.3 seconds. Mm -hmm. There's something different,
3: right? Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, You look at a guy, we always say it, that's not human. Yeah. Oh, he's squatting 600 pounds. That's not human. Right. Look how he contorted his body in the air. Look how far he threw the football. That's not human. And another thing about them is they make unbelievable sums of money to do this. So what we see sometimes when we see athletes is we see people who don't seem like they're the same species as us physically Mm -hmm. because they're doing things that we could never imagine doing. Sure. And then they don't seem like they're the same as us socially because they're living lifestyles that we can't, we can't, um, identify with or lifestyles that we don't understand i think it was important that people understood in that moment that that's just flesh encasing a soul that's just like a person with a family with dreams with goals with apps with aspirations who's probably sacrificed a tremendous amount to be in the situation that he's in right now um And that like anybody else that gets sick or has a medical emergency anywhere else, that there are a lot of people whose lives are going to be forever shattered if the outcome that we seem like we're going to get wouldn't have happened. That these are just people. And I hope that we'll continue to remember that. That these are just people, not just when they're in a medical emergency. these, These are just people when they make a mistake. These are just people when they're negotiating contracts. These are just people when they're trying to get their disability payments. Mm-hmm. These are just people when they have political things to say. These are just people. They might feel and seem different than you, but they're human beings.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, And I was, to be honest with you, I was uh, really, really inspired by the fact that so many people like, cared about DeMar Hamlin.
1: Oh, my gosh. Praying in the stands.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, members of the other team, Cincinnati Bengals, were going to the hospital, bringing stuff. And then also the donations that were made Yeah, to DeMar um, Hamlin's uh, GoFundMe, which was, he was just seeking $2,500.
0: $2,500, his, uh, his Chasing M's uh, organization has a GoFundMe. Uh, the goal was 2500 bucks. It now has $7 million. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the reporting on this and some of the other stories that circle the NFL on this. Um, after we hear from Dr. Cooper right now, we're going to go a little bit deeper into what may have happened and what his road back might look like. Guys, we have another friend of Van on the podcast right now.
1: Donnie, hit the, hit the noise.
0: Hit the noise. Um... <laughs> Dr. Joshua Cooper. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys about what an awesome guy this is. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys about what an awesome guy. Is
1: this your personal cardiologist? Kind of. Oh my gosh. I'm, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Doctor. I can only imagine how annoying Van must be. Hey, but look, but this,
0: this is this guy's. He's the director of electrophysiology at Temple University. A professor of medicine. Lewis Katz School of Medicine at Temple University. Top Doctors, Cardiac Electrophysiology, Philadelphia Magazine, 2011 through 2022, Best Doctors in America, Cardiovascular Disease, 2015, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019 to 2020. Um, Dr. Cooper, thank you for joining us on yes. How I Learn today. I'll ask you my first question. Uh, obviously, we saw... Uh, an incredibly dramatic and scary cardiac event happened on the field uh, in a game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, We sort of know a little bit more now about what happened. Um, When you first saw it, what went through your mind?
8: Having me, because I think it's important to uh, educate people on events like this, because this is potentially an inspirational story. Hopefully that, turns out what it is, when someone collapses as he did suddenly on the fields, the first thing you think about, given how sudden it was, is that the brain suddenly didn't have enough oxygen and you lose consciousness all of a sudden. That can come from a few reasons um, and a few reasons only. Usually it's either the heartbeat completely stops or the heartbeat goes extraordinarily fast. In both of those scenarios, the heart's not able to pump blood to the brain Or there's some reason that there's a massive sudden drop in blood pressure, for example, rupture of a major artery internally or something of that sort. Um, And so when you see him collapse suddenly, again, thinking about the electrical system being my specialty, my first thought is, wow, was this a sudden cardiac arrest, which is a extreme fast heart rate that can cause somebody to immediately lose consciousness. And they did exactly what they were supposed to do in resuscitating him, they substituted for the heart's physical pumping by pushing on the chest and forcing blood forward, getting the electrical defibrillator there and giving a shock to get him out of that life-threatening fast rhythm and restore his own heartbeat.
1: I just want to highlight, I want to piggyback on what you were saying and highlight the work that was done on the field by those first responders. Um, how important was what they did? And maybe if you could speak to that in, in saving his life and, and, and in the quickness that they did that.
8: When somebody has a cardiac arrest of this type, and there's lots of reasons why somebody's heart might go into a cardiac arrest, a fast arrhythmia, seconds matter because the moment that happens, the brain is not getting enough blood supply and oxygen and the clock starts ticking at that moment. And so literally every second that you delay in restoring blood flow to the brain, temporarily with CPR, with chest compressions, and then longer term by actually getting the heart to do it on its own by kicking it electrically back into normal rhythm. Every second that you speed up and get that done saves the chance of having brain injury and surviving altogether. So the fact that they acted quickly uh, is very encouraging. And in fact, we heard some good news today that he's in fact waking up and indicating and responding to questions, um, which is an amazing accomplishment for the team on the field and and an amazing thing in general uh, hearing what hopefully will end up being a success story and saving him from a cardiac arrest.
0: There's going to be talk about. Now that we see things are trending in a positive direction for DeMar Hamlin, there's going to be talk about um, how he's going to be able to recover from this. What factors play into how much of a recovery you'll be able to see from DeMar Hamlet.
8: Yeah, again, I don't know all of the details, uh, and presumably they'll be forthcoming, but when somebody has a cardiac arrest, the two factors to consider in terms of recovery are, number one, how quickly was he shocked back to normal, meaning what was the length of time that the brain and the other organs were deprived of blood and oxygen, and then what is the if any underlying condition that may speak to the risk in the future of having other events of this type or, um, or other potential uh, problems. Many people who suffer a cardiac arrest end up um, having either an inherited heart condition or some other condition that may have implications in the future in terms of risk. And we can talk about that. Those people end up getting implanted with an internal implantable defibrillator. To treat them if this ever were to happen again. But other people, we feel that it may be an absolute fluke, as may end up being the case with him. And if they do testing and find that his heart does not show any signs of a permanent condition, his doctors will have to decide with him whether that would be necessary. But in terms of his physical recovery, um, given uh, the early time that it looks like he's already starting to show improvement in neurologic recovery, that's a really good sign in terms of hoping that he comes back to the way he was before. uh, And I would hope for a very quick recovery in terms of his physical and neurological status.
1: Mm. When you see something like this happen, and I've never seen anything like this before. And it seems like most people who were analyzing it, um, sports commentators had not either. You start to say, you know, people start to blame certain things. And of course people are, you know, starting to speak on the dangers of football and, and and the game and reevaluating certain things. Is there anything that could be done, as in equipment? Um, I you know I don't want to get into the specifics of football of like banning a certain type of hit, but is there equipment padding? I don't know. Is there something that could be done to prevent this type of injury from happening again to a player?
8: Yeah, it depends on what turns out to be the cause of his particular cardiac arrest. Uh, There have been a number of people, including myself, who wonder about the possibility that this was the physical blow to the chest, a hard helmet striking the chest that can and has been described mostly in in younger athletes, uh, can provoke a cardiac arrest even in somebody with a normal heart. And so the studies that have been done including by uh, some amazing doctors who came up with a model to investigate this. Doctors Mark Link, Barry Marin, Mark Estes have demonstrated that there is an interaction between whatever hits the chest and the heart that can determine whether this can result in an arrhythmia of this type. And so they looked at such things as the speed of the projectile, the size of the projectile, the, the padding of the chest Where on the chest, the timing of the chest. And basically what they concluded is that it is almost a lightning strike event. The collision has to happen at a millisecond moment of vulnerability of the heart while the heart's in its electrical recovery after a heartbeat. It has to be an exact place in the chest at an exact speed. For example, when they did studies with a a wooden ball uh, in a particular model that they created, they showed that You know, 20 miles per hour was too slow and 50 to 70 miles per hour was too fast and about a 40 mile per hour hit to the chest was just right. So there has to be an exact combination of circumstances. They did experiments with different types of um, of balls that were softer um, and they did show that that can impact the likelihood of this event happening. The bottom line is it's an extremely rare type of event assuming again that the blow is the cause of it. Um, Protective padding can help one of the questions is, are the type of helmets that are used too hard? Should there be a layer of soft a covering on the surface that could change the way a helmet interacts with the chest? Uh, those are the types of things that I would think about.
0: Um. So I-, I want you to name the specific phenomena that
8: you're talking about. What is it called again? Yeah, the, I didn't mention it. Then It's called commotio cordis, which is basically a term that means a blow to the chest. And it's been described for a very long time, it's not new, and thankfully it's very rare, but it's always tragic because it usually happens in the context of a young, healthy person. Most of the people who've been reported are children, you know, under the age of 20 or so, their chest walls are thinner, they're more susceptible to this. As we get older, the chest is stiffer and there's more padding naturally, and um, uh, and with muscle, et cetera. And uh, it, you're, it, this is a very unusual event, if in fact that's what occurred. It's a very unusual event in an adult.
0: What are the chances? And this is the last question for me, Doc. What are the chances that an athlete of his caliber, um, DeMar Hamlin, who had played football his entire life, was a standout at <clears throat> at Pitt. Um, what are the chances that he would have something congenital and they would have missed it with the various tests that he would have had to gone through I have gone through, should I say, for his entire life to to make it to the NFL? Do you, is that something yeah, that uh, happens?
8: Yeah, I'm I'm not uh, intimately familiar with the screening that goes on, but obviously for elite athletes in the NFL, there are obviously physicals and other testing that are done, um, and uh, there are some conditions that are easily picked up on an EKG or an ultrasound and echocardiogram of the heart, but there are other conditions. Um, that uh, can be invisible to the standard testing that's done, including a lot of genetic conditions that may not show up until an event like this occurs. So um, at this point, obviously, they're going to do more extensive testing, including genetic testing and other testing to see if they can find some susceptibility that he may have had to have this occur. And if they end up coming up empty, everything is negative, they don't find anything. Then this may have been um, a, a, a chance phenomenon that may never occur again in the same person. Um, And uh, so it's not uncommon for this type of event to occur in somebody who's healthy, who passed all the screening tests. And I think the biggest message here isn't so much that we need to do wider screening, but we need to be prepared for when this happens. The big message here is automatic defibrillators need to be in places where people congregate, including athletic stadiums. Everyone needs to know how to use them. It is bystanders who save people's lives. Literally five minutes uh, is is almost too long a time to wait for EMS, and they usually don't get there in five minutes. And so whoever witnesses somebody who collapses needs to immediately start chest compressions, designate somebody to go get the defibrillator, get it on that person right away, and give them a shock. And that's going to save much more lives, I think, than the screening.
1: Um, you kind of touched on this, but I it's I just can't stop thinking about it because this already happened to Demar. How likely is if it's this this rare? Um, I sorry, I can't remember the name. Uh, what is it that we think yeah, he co- might commodio
8: think? cordis commodio cordis? Yeah,
1: if that's what it is, how because it's happened once, how likely is it that it could happen again? And if it does, make him more likely to be prone to this happening again, should he play again?
8: That's a great question. And his do- I, I, it's hard for me to speculate because obviously he's a, a celebrity. We all care about him. And the most important thing is his recovery from this event. And it's going to be his doctors that are going to use a lot of information that I certainly and we don't have to decide on his future risk. But if they find that he has a condition that may make him more susceptible to this type of arrhythmia in the future, then the first question that they're going to have to address is: Should he be implanted with a defibrillator? The answer probably would be yes. And then the question is: Would he be able to return to competitive athletics? There is a precedent for people who have had a defibrillator implanted for a cardiac arrest where they were saved returning to athletics. For example, Christian Eriksen, the Danish soccer player who had a cardiac arrest on the field in 2021, was resuscitated and within four minutes got a life-saving shock, and in fact was awake as they were carting him off the field, waving to fans. That's how quickly they responded. And he recovered immediately in that regard. He ended up having a defibrillator implanted. And my understanding is he's now returning to professional soccer. Uh, But that's a very personal decision to be made by the player, by their doctors. And there's a lot of factors that would play into that decision.
0: Okay. Dr. Cooper, we're going to let you go. But before we do, I want to say something real quick. Okay. All right. It might've been around 2021 that I, I think I talked about it on, on, on the podcast that I, um, I still have them from time to time. I was having what's called PVCs, Mm preventricular contractions. And they were running me crazy. They were, uh, I was so afraid. My stress was so high. It's not something I hadn't had before. It comes back whenever I really get really stressed out. My stress was so high, my sleep was terrible, and I was really going through it. I reached out to Dr. Cooper, who is the director of electrophysiology at Temple University on Twitter. It almost makes me emotional. And this man has been a phenomenal friend to me, a therapist to me, an advocate, uh, someone who's helped me understand my body, the, my mind-body connection, someone who has like, whatever I have needed from him in terms of uh, just information, uh, comfort, a remarkable human being, a remarkable family man, a fantastic doctor, just a remarkable person. And I really don't even have the words to thank you. You have no idea. uh what your knowledge and friendship and connection has meant to me um over the last couple of years seriously
8: well we'll back at you it's been a pleasure i think when we're dealing with any medical condition from benign to life-threatening um it, it's very difficult and frightening and you feel very alone and i think the most important part initially and throughout is to have good communication find a healthcare provider who you trust who spends time who explains what's going on and knowledge is power. The more you understand about what's going on, the less frightening it is, the more in control you feel. And uh, it all goes from there. And and that's true uh, for cardiac arrest, it's true for PVCs and um you know, we get through it together. It's a partnership.
0: Thank you so much. Love Aww. you, man. That's, so um, sweet. that's Dr.
8: Joshua Cooper.
0: Uh give them your Twitter so they they can like get all some of the best information. I love like it's funny, something else is funny, real quick. Like, they're heart nerds on Twitter. They're like doctors. <laughs> they're like heart nerds. They're yeah. doctors who put up like EKGs and they go, hey man, what's going on here? And then when you look under the thread, there are different doctors that are going back I love and forth. It. Like they're like they I, I I love watching it. They're so in so passionate about what it is that they do. That's how I found them. I was put <laughs> PVC on Twitter. <laughs> he was talking about it. I wouldn't watch his YouTube videos,
8: but if you really want to learn more about your body, you can from his from his Twitter. Like, why don't you tell people where they can find you? Doc? Yeah, well, my my Twitter my Twitter um, handle is at narrowQRS. It, it, you're right; it's a nerdy thing. There are a lot of <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'll, I'll tell you though. Nowadays, the Twitter experience has been remarkable for a lot of people. And I've learned so much. I've been able to teach so much through social media. Nowadays, things are a little bit different. Twitter's operating differently. So I can't say that my Twitter feed is the same as it used to be or that my tweets have the same impact that they used to. I'll try to keep using it, but it's been a little frustrating. But nonetheless, any method that people have, whether it's YouTube, I have a YouTube channel with educational videos, whether it's Twitter, reach out in whatever means you can to self-educate, find a partner. And um, and go from there. And I'm so glad you reached out. It really it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Our, your friendship has been very special, and I wish you the best, man, and more to come.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. That's Aww. that's Joshua Cooper, everybody.
8: Doctor Cooper.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Cooper. Thank you, Doc. Thank you for joining us today Thank on Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. Thanks mm-hmm. for reaching out. You like the Doc, don't you? He's nice.
1: I like y'all's friendship. It's, great, it's really cute.
0: But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something real quick. He is of a uncommon patients. I'd hit, I'd be hitting them up all the time. I know (laughs)
1: know you do. That's why I said at the top of the interview, I was like, Oh my gosh, I know he annoys you, but that's like, that's what you would want from a doctor, right? You know, doctors, they always talk about bedside manner, just Mm -hmm. the fact that he is that way with you and he cares and he's passionate. That's what you could only hope that all your doctors would be that way.
0: After he, as we speak right now, he's, Sending me more information on resuscitation. <laughs> he's just—he loves his job. I love he loves him. people. He's an amazing guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's like—he's like, an amazing man. Um. Okay. There was a holding hands and a joining of hands around Demar Hamlin's situation,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but there was also some bullshit,
3: huh.
0: as there always is.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm starting to think that human beings are constituted. Uh, let's start with the first thing. Okay. ESPN reported that the NFL wanted to restart the game after Hamlin collapsed and that the teams refused. And that they were given a five-minute warm-up notice and they said, screw it. The league said it never considered restarting the game. Who do you believe?
1: I believe ESPN. Cuz ESPN has come back out and said we're telling you what we were told. Mind you this was on ESPN. So I would think that they would be notified that hey like we got a 5 minute warm up we're about to get things things going again.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I believe ESPN knowing what we know so far about the NFL and they're a league that is motivated by money and business over everything mm-hmm. and not the athlete. Mm-hmm. They were able to move him off the field. He was still, this, they, this is probably the other thing: move him off the field. He's still alive. He's at the hospital. We'll keep everybody updated. Let's get on with the game. You know, this is a game, big time in the season. This game means something. And it was all business to them. I absolutely believe, because I, this has never been done before. In this way. So for them, it's business as usual.
0: Hmm. You know what I think is funny about the NFL? I think we actually hold the NFL to too high a standard.
1: Who does? People.
0: I think expecting the NFL to care in this situation, the NFL, I need people to get real about what corporations are. But the NFL is an entertainment corporation whose workforce is primarily young black athletes, right? I'm not saying that the NFL shouldn't care.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: I'm
0: not. They should care. Of course. But they shouldn't care any more than Walmart cares about the checkers at Walmart or the people in the, on the, wareho- in the warehouse. Shouldn't care any more than um, people care about factory workers or people driving trains. Because in all of these industries, it is people that make these industries go. In any industry that I can think of. It is people of course. that make these industries go.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: When you are dealing with a corporation and I am not here to bash corporations. I'm here to tell the truth. I'm sitting in an office I'm, or in a, on a set right now talking to someone and all around me there is corporate shit.
1: Yes, there is. All right,
0: we, we are, this is what I'm telling you. Corporations exist to make money and further themselves. And they will make decisions based around that. Mm-hmm. People need to leverage the power that they have against corporations by hurting them financially because it's the only thing that they care about. That's why what happened on the field was so profound. What happened on the field, in my opinion, was people saying no, which is the way you should deal with corporations. The NFL, I said before, that this has happened before with other types of injuries and the game is resumed. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen before. Of course. Game is resumed. A player was carted off uh in the bowl game. LSU just played at Purdue. Um, I hope that gentleman is okay. But the game went on mm-hmm. after he was carted off. Mm-hmm. Looked, he looked like he looked like he was moving and everything. He gave a thumbs up, the game went on. For it to feel different and be different, for you to want a, a money-making entity to listen to you, you have to put something on the line. Mm -hmm. And that is what the players did. The players in this position, in this situation said, hey, this is different. This is not business as usual. We're not going to play. According to reports, we're not going to do it. And in that situation, it wasn't the NFL that put people over product. It was the players and coaches and coaches that put themselves over the shield. Absolutely. And That should be a lesson to the players. That should be a lesson to them that they are so consequential that they have the power to do that when it is appropriate for them to try, when it is appropriate for them to do it. They drew a line in the sand and said, no, Mm -hmm. not going to do it. And to me, that's very powerful. And it's very powerful and very consequential that people understand that sometimes in order to get what you want from an entity that is essentially soulless. Mm -hmm. Corporations don't have souls mm-hmm. like none of them do, right? They exist to raise the share price for stockholders so everybody can go have fun on Epstein Island. All right, so so in order for you to make them listen to you, you have to have solidarity. You must have solidarity. You need to have solidarity in order to make that happen. And so I am proud of the Tennessee Titan, excuse me, of the Buffalo Bills and the Cincinnati Bengals, mm-hmm. that they showed the humanity and, and solidarity yeah. to stand right there and say, yo, we can't do it. Yeah. We can't do it. Don't don't care what it does to your playoff seating. Don't care what it does to the, out, we can't do it. Yeah. We're more concerned about the person than the shield. Very powerful to me.
1: Uh, I think it's a lesson that can be applied outside, off the field And just in general, when you put it like that, how much power people have when they come together and what they can overcome. Absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, got to talk about Skip Bayless.
1: (sighs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) Put your hands down. Put your hands down. I'm
0: going to do Skip the solid of reading all of his
1: tweets. I think you have to. I'm going to read all of Skip's tweets. Okay
0: during the incident. Now, I did not see all of these tweets in the order that they were tweeted. Oh, okay. I did not. Okay. When I checked Twitter and I had a very, very fiery tweet called Skitter a, Skip a Bone Bag. And I mm-hmm. said that how much I hated him because I was full of emotion. I'm an emotional guy. I make no apology for what I said. Okay. But there was context Yes, that was missed.
1: And does and I'm curious. After you read these tweets, did the context change your initial thoughts? But please read the tweets.
0: on this. Yes, on okay. skip. No. Okay, and I'll okay. tell you why. Okay, okay. So this is the first tweet. Uh, not exactly sure what happened to Demar Hamlin. Players on both teams are shaken. Ambulance out on the field. CPR administered. Can't remember play being stopped for this length of time. Just said a prayer for him and his family. Uh, Second tweet, I've seen so many horrific injuries suffered on football fields, yet I've never seen a reaction like this. In every other situation I witnessed or covered, the game always went on fairly quickly. We just said that. The attitude was like, the attitude was, hey, it's football. For these players, it was different. Okay.
1: Different in all caps. Different
0: in all caps. Okay. Last one. No doubt the NFL is considering postponing the rest of this game, but how? This late in the season... A game of this magnitude is crucial to the regular season outcome, which seems, which subtly seems to be, subtly seems so irrelevant. Okay. Now, the third tweet is the big tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I looked at that tweet, I said, in the tweet, Skip put the game first, and then ellipses or whatever you call those, what do you call those two little dots are there? That's the right. Point? Ellipses. And then he put the man second. And I was pissed off. Mm-hmm. Because that's on brand for Skip Bayless. Mm-hmm. A lot of people said, hey, Van, you're wrong about that. And I will admit something. That in the flow of these tweets, mm-hmm. the first thing that Skip does is not exactly thoughts and prayers. But he did say, actually, he is thoughts and prayers. Yes, and he just said, is. just said a prayer for him and his family. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. The next day, Skip Bayless was on Undisputed with Shannon Sharp excuse me was on Undisputed by himself by himself
1: yes
0: Shannon Sharp came after that so this is a full day after what we saw
1: Mm
0: -hmm. um, on Monday this was Wednesday Shannon Mm -hmm. Sharp came back Uh, this is what happened when Shannon Sharp came back to 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 Undisputed I I think you guys have probably heard this but I want to make sure that we have it right now and, and they're able to let you listen to it
8: Yes, Shannon,
0: I understand. Do something you want to share? This morning? Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of
4: speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear. But I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something. And although I disagree with the tweet uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yet- time out. Time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by oh. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me- All right. okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead. Let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back. Skip. Well, I thought Skip. Just let. Me, I, I, didn't I, I, know I you was going to bring say, up. No, this. no, I was just going to say Skip. I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into okay. your not get into your uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you
9: interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No, clearly the bosses wanted you to
4: offer explanations. So clearly, no, they had a did problem. not have the, nobody. Let's went. go, Jen.
0: Okay.
1: Thoughts and prayers.
0: So, by the way, Jen, shout out, shout out to those thoughts and prayers. Jen, great say. <laughs> um, so, Skip Bayless. What did Indiana Jones do?
1: Yeah, I've never seen an Indiana Jones anything.
0: This is remarkable. <laughs> th- th- this is, this, like, this, this is, is not the point. Th- this is remarkable, Johnny uh, Donnie. What did Indiana Jones? It's
2: remarkable, do? but not surprising. Uh, what <laughs> was your question? What did Indiana Jones do? Wow, Donnie. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he whipped.
1: <laughs> oh. Pot kettle. Ashley, Pot kettle.
0: Ashley, what did Indiana Jones do? What's Indiana Jones's occupation?
1: He's like an explorer or an ar- archaeologist or something. Thank you, Ashley. Oh, I would Indiana never Jones that. is an archaeologist. I thought dinosaurs were involved for some reason. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Indiana Jones. Well, J- I feel like the the clip I always see is him running away from a rock or something. What the fuck does that have to do with dinosaurs? I don't know. I just thought Stone Age.
3: Okay. Uh, so
0: I can see it. Thank you. But the dinosaurs weren't in the Stone Age. <laughs> Whatever, man. Uh, like, okay. Uh Indiana Jones is an archaeologist. He hunts relics. A relic, as we know, mm-hmm. is uh something from a time past. Yes,
1: yes, that I know. Something that gives you a
0: <laughs> something that gives you a marker. Um, from a different civilization, tells you about a moment in time, an era uh, that existed some time ago. Normally some far place away, you learn about how somebody ate. You might get a spoon. You might see, uh, oh, this is the way a toilet. This is the way how people, did the type of technology that they mm-hmm. had. But a relic is something old and it's something that's past its time. Okay. Um, Skip Bayless is a relic. He is a relic (laughs) of a very specific time in American sports and athletic discourse. He's a relic of a time when uh, what we talked about earlier was certainly not the case, when athletes weren't human. Right, right, right. When what they were were basically high-paid, high-performance cattle that were out to do a job. So whatever you wrote about them, whatever you said about them, um, whatever you put out in the world about them didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And it certainly didn't matter what they had to say back to you. Because if they had anything to say back to you, then they were overly sensitive, they were spoiled, or they were crybabies. Skip Bayless, in my opinion, despite the context that we saw on Monday, doesn't have any respect for athletes, and I think particularly the black athletes.
6: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah, yeah comes from a time when your life cycle uh, as an athlete were cheers, booze, death. Cheer you, boo you, you die. A little scandal in between. Uh, We weren't having conversations about mental health. We weren't having conversations about the quality of somebody's life off the field. Um, We weren't having conversations about how people lived their life when there were no whistles, when there were no refs, when there were no no cameras. Uh, I don't think he respects the mind, or the psyche of the athlete. Let me tell you why that's evident in the clip we just played. You guys know Shannon Sharp. A lot of you might not know Sterling Sharp. Sterling Sharp was on pace to be one of the top five greatest NFL wide receivers of all time. If you go back and look at Sterling Sharp's numbers, he played with the Green Bay Packers. Um, He was the guy that I knew about. He was the Sharp that, to me, was the biggest legend of the... He was the guy who was running the league. He was one of the best players in the league. Uh, his career was cut short because of a neck injury, because of a spinal injury. Mm-hmm. And Shannon Sharp, his brother, went on to have the Hall of Fame career, right. the three Super Bowls, and all of that. Sterling Sharp, fantastic player, right? Um, Skip cut him off. Right after he was talking about the fact that his brother had suffered the same type of injury, his brother suffered the same type of injury. And because his brother suffered that injury, it took him an entire extra day to process and focus what he was watching. Mm -hmm. In that moment, Shannon Sharp was talking about his trauma, he was talking about his process, Mm -hmm. he was talking about the way he was trying to gather himself and not come on to Undisputed and make everything about him. He wanted to make sure that when he talked about the situation with DeMar Hamlin that he could do it in a holistic way. Skip, in some way, heard a challenge. And Shannon Sharp didn't like that tweet. Scores of other people didn't like that tweet. I still don't like the tweet. In context, I understand the tweet. And what did Skip do? He stepped on him. He stepped on him to interject what he feels like the truth of that situation is. If if this had happened one time with him, I would understand it. It's not. It's Mm -hmm. who Skip Bayless is. Skip Bayless is somebody that we should turn the page on. Mm -hmm. Skip Bayless is somebody that represents a different, much more pernicious part of sports media. Nobody has to tell me about how dangerous the media can be. No one. I have a master's degree in how dangerous the media can be and how much it can affect somebody's life. What I'm trying to tell you is going forward in my future and going forward in the future of covering people, what we're asking for is an extra layer of responsibility. And he's incapable of that. Right. An extra layer of sensitivity. And he's incapable of that. And he continues to show that he is incapable of that. And he also continues to show bias because whereas Skip Bayless hasn't, won't get off LeBron James' dick, won't get off Brawny James' dick, who's LeBron James' teenage son, mm-hmm. endlessly just deriding Russell Westbrook. And it's okay not to like those guys' game or what they do on the court. But we, I've seen him cape for people like Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel, Baker Mayfield, all... With, no respect to, with with all respect to these guys, classic NFL flameouts. I'm just talking about what they did on the field. I'm talking about the fact that Baker's fighting for his career right now. I'm talking about the fact that Tim Tebow couldn't stay in the league. And I'm talking about the fact that Johnny Manziel couldn't conquer his personal demons to even give himself a shot. Yeah. But what I've seen from Skip Bayless is endless cock gobbling about all of those guys until the hammer had to come down that it was over, until they played themselves out of it I would hear about how amazing they are. But even more so, we talked about it here on this very podcast. We talked about Dak Prescott a couple of years ago. Donnie, I want you to run a little piece of Dak Prescott's interview when he was talking to Graham Benzinger about the depression, the depression that he was going through following the suicide of his brother.
7: This quarantine and this off season, I started experiencing emotions I've never felt before. Um, anxiety for the main one. And then, honestly, a couple of days before my brother passed, I would say I started experiencing depression. Didn't know necessarily what I was going through, uh, to, to say the least.
0: Okay. Rachel, what do you think when you hear that?
1: What Dax said? Yeah. I think this is a man who is being extremely vulnerable, who is opening up and talking about something that we rarely see athletes talk about uh, for fear of, you know, persecution, for being, you know, told that, you know, I don't know, you need to be harder than you normally are, for not fitting a certain stereotype that an NFL player or an athlete is supposed to fit. This was Dak Prescott being himself. And, yeah. So just to answer your question, that.
0: Dak Prescott being himself. Yes. And you would think that anyone who, I'm not, you know what? No, I'm not even going to say what you would think. Donnie, play Skip's reaction to this just to ref- re- refresh people's memory. Because of
7: all that, I don't have sympathy for him going public with, I got depressed. I suffered depression early in COVID to the point that I couldn't even go work out. Look. He's the quarterback of America's team.
0: Okay. Skip goes on to say he's the quarterback of America's team. People look to him for inspiration. The other guys uh, that, that line up with him and play with him, they look for him, uh, they look at him for, uh, for leadership. And of course, they couldn't possibly be led by somebody who uh, has issues with depression or um, has gone through a time in his life where a while before then he lost his mother and then he his lost brother. his brother. Yeah. Um, and we were all in a pandemic going through things. The fact that somebody, honestly, would fix their mouth to say that in the day and age that we live in, after the two years that we've all had, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's astonishing. You guys, you guys know that I'm emotional, right? I know that I'm emotional, guys. I know that I can be irrationally emotional. But I promise you right now, I'm just talking about the fact that we can't continue to have people in the space like that with this much power and not discuss how they affect things. Like Undisputed is a a grand show. Now people want Shannon to, it's a huge show. Now people want Shannon to quit his job. Why should Shannon have to quit his job? Because the guy sitting across from him is a disrespectful malcontent. Like, I'm looking at that. Dak Prescott is talking not as the the, the captain of the Dallas Cowboys, not as the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. That's what Skip views him as. Skip views Dak Prescott as the quarterback of America's team and nothing else. Dak Prescott is right there talking as a human being. Mm Mm-hmm. We can't give this motherfucker a little time to be scared from the pandemic, to be anxious from the pandemic, to be sad about his brother's death. Like, what are we talking about? Like, it. Like, I, I, it, we remember when we talked about that on Absolutely. the
1: Absolutely. And the only way that you can have a response where the your very first sentence is "I have no sympathy" is you don't look at him as a human being, as a person, as a person at all. And that's the theme with Skip Bayless. He doesn't look at, and we we literally just talked about this, he doesn't look at particularly Black athletes, not even just on his level, but as human beings. And he sees them as they are supposed to do a particular job. And for Dak Prescott, that is to play football. I don't want to hear you talk. I don't want to hear your opinion. I don't want to hear you feel. I just want you to do what you're supposed to do and nothing else. He is so detached from that experience from, you could say Black people, you could say Black athletes. He's so detached, he doesn't care. And he doesn't have to care. When you look at, when you go down all the things that Skip Bayless has done, he's never been reprimanded in a serious way. So it continues to feed the beast. If you do something over and over again and nobody tells you that it's wrong or you're not punished for it, wouldn't you feel empowered like I can do anything maybe maybe you would because you have a conscience and a soul, but for Skip Bayless, he probably feels he can do and say whatever, and all it's going to do is get a slap on the wrist because he's creating controversy controversy, and he's getting ratings for this network. He's never in trouble for what he does, so for him, why would he ever stop? He thinks he's right. What did he say in that clip with Shannon? The executives didn't have a problem with it,
0: which is not true because he because that's how he, he thinks because after he tweeted that he came back and he clarified
1: what he meant. But did he have to. But did he miss the show that day? No, he didn't. So if the executives don't have a problem with it, he isn't fined. He isn't suspended. He isn't told what he can't do. So for Skip, I can say whatever the fuck I want to say. I've been doing it since the 70s. I've been writing it. Now I'm saying it on TV and I've said it up against some of the biggest athletes and most powerful people in sports and nobody's done anything to me. Why would he ever be any different? Well said. Not that I think he should, shouldn't be, but I'm just saying there's nowhere to go from here but to, to your point, to let him go.
0: Donnie, let's play Let's play the dust-up between Skip and Shannon. It's getting increasingly tense over at Undisputed. Let's play the dust-up between Skip and Shannon from a couple of weeks back. We've been through this, but I want people to hear it again because this, once again, speaks to what I'm talking about. You have Skip Bayless talking to Shannon Sharp, a guy who accomplished everything that you can accomplish at his position in the NFL. Super Bowl, Pro Bowler. All-Pro Hall of Fame. There are no more accomplishments, okay? They're in an argument about Tom Brady. Watch what happens. Still playing at a high level at
4: 45 when you had to stop at 35. Yeah, that's what you that's do. That's the point. That's what you do. Every time somebody, every time I call something in question, I'm jealous. No. Yeah, I did well, what I did. I never did. said you were
9: jealous of Baker
4: Mayfield. Yeah, I did <sighs> what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay, I got so three what? Super Bowls. So what? So what? He's way better than you were. I'm better than way you better. Yeah, yeah, I got to see what okay. you do. You take personal shots. No, when I don't, this, I don't yeah. take personal oh, shots. Time you time started time it. Time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I so didn't I take a personal take shot at you. Out. Wait a minute. What are you
5: talking about? You would take a personal what shot. Put your glasses
7: back
0: on. Okay. So in that situation, you're, you're talking to somebody. You're talking to somebody with the stature of Shannon Sharp. And Shannon Sharp talks about the fact that Tom Brady, who's a thousand years old, is having a season not comparable to not some great. of the seasons he's had in the past. Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback in NFL history, period. The greatest player in NFL history, period. Seven Super Bowls is so OD. Seven Super Bowls at quarterback is so crazy. Like one with a different organization. Mm -hmm. There is no way you can besmirch or impugn anything that Tom Brady has done. Mm -hmm. You can't. You can't. Tom Brady is the fucking GOAT. Right. Done. Why does Shannon Sharp have to be jealous of Tom Brady if he's criticizing Tom Brady about what Tom Brady is not getting done this year?
1: Right now, <laughs>
0: why is Skip? Why would Skip Bayless make it seem like Shannon Sharp is it qualified or good enough to have something negative to say about Tom Brady? Like, what is it about? Those two men, one of them who is insanely accomplished in this same in this same sport. Like what's Skip's problem? What's the issue? Why is Skip Bayless so quick to defend Tom Brady's legacy mm-hmm. against the man who we assumed before this guy, before this, he was pretty friendly with and that he works with every day. Sure. The question that Shannon Sharp is asking, yo, why are you insulting me? For Tom Brady.
1: Because how dare Shannon Sharp. That's basically what Skip was saying. You guys,
0: I could go on. Skip Bayless, after uh, Skip Bayless wrote a column about uh, Kareem Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's book back in the day. And in the column, he ripped Kareem to shreds for making valid observations about living as a Black man in America. There's something going on there. And it didn't just start now. We were in a different place. It's not Skip that was different. Mm -hmm. Skip hasn't gotten any better Mm -mm. or any worse. Mm -mm. We've changed. We're different. Mm -hmm. We want better. Mm -hmm. We want different. We want more for the people who we... Share our communities with and happen to be athletes or singers or uh, the people who work at hospitals or first responders. We want to be more respectful of people's space, their mental health, what they're going through, and what's happening. We want look sports is sports sports talk media. you criticize people's job. you can. You criticize people's job if you go to a restaurant.
3: Sure.
0: go to a restaurant, you criticize people's job. How about this? The question is this. Let's say you go to a restaurant. You don't like the service. You don't like it. Okay. Don't like the service. Give this restaurant fucking one star. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're right to do that. You don't like sure. the service. Yep, absolutely. Let's say a week later you run into the, the you run into the waiter at the gym, or maybe courtside at the Lakers game, or something like that. Depending on where you are, and a person says to you, they say, "Hey, you came over to fucking Tokamadera." Delilah, wherever it was. And I wasn't at my best that night. Like, I was slow. I was snappy. But I just want to tell you right now, you know, my mom committed suicide. Mm. My mom died. My friend died. I had a personal tragedy in my life, and I wasn't at my best during that time. I'm just letting you know that that's kind of what it was. It's my bad, right? There are two types of people. One type of person goes, oh, man, I'm very, I'm sorry about that. Are you okay? You're doing all right, man? Just forget about the meal. It's like, whatever. You know what I mean? It was what it was. But, you know, one type of person puts their personality and the way that they look at things in the back and on, the, on the back burner to be able to connect with the person right there that's been through something. The second person goes, well, the next time you go through something, don't come into work because you ruined my night. Yeah. And 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 I'm and I'm I'm telling you guys, that's a very basic analogy. But we're trying in society, or at least the people that I know, to be one person. And I'm telling you right now, Skip Bayless is the other.
1: Correct. And if you question that at all, go read what he wrote forty five years ago about Kareem Abdul Jabbar, and it shows the lack of regard empathy that he has for him as a black man, for him as a black athlete, for him even trying to understand the black experience. That is the foundation of Skip Bayless. And everything since then goes right back to that sentiment. It's all right there. All right. Spent too
0: long on it, but it was worth it. I don't give a fuck. Look, uh, on the other side is Kevin McCarthy. He's that nigga. Is he? That's his, that's his new name, That Nigga Kevin. Oh. D N K. That Nigga Kevin. Some people
1: would beg to differ. Nah,
0: they definitely, they treating him like
7: a nigga.
6: <laughs> all right, all on, the, all on the side is.
7: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something, preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend. You can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app.
5: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles in your car. Jiffy Lube Car More to find coupons and start an instant online estimate visit jiffylube.com
0: Rachel um, we're going to get into an interview with Aaron Rupar but we're going to briefly talk about this. Uh, McCarthy is what are we up to 11 votes now?
1: 11 votes.
0: For those of you who don't know Kevin McCarthy who has been was the minority leader of the Republicans since 2019 who's the majority leader 2014 to 2019, you know, when the Republicans fell out of uh, the majority, uh, seeking the speakership and can't get it. Yeah. They're kicking him in his dick. Okay. They're
1: kicking him everywhere. They're kicking him, but like, he's got
0: footprints <laughs> all up and around his ass. The Republicans are in shambles. And because they're in shambles, the government is essentially stopped up on Capitol Hill. Um, it, have you been watching this entire fiasco play out?
1: In and out. Because okay. it is like a, a Real Housewives episode, and we all know my my love for the Real Housewives. Oh, right. I do love to sit back and watch the mess a little bit because it, I've never seen anything like this. They've they've said this hasn't happened in 160 plus years. Mm-hmm. So in nobody's lifetime, but it's just so interesting to watch them have absolutely no idea what they're doing. And Kevin McCarthy cannot read the room. He just doesn't get it. 11 times, 11 votes. And, and each time they have, it has not gone your way. Meanwhile, the Dems are just sitting back, just watching. They got it together. Yeah. We gonna wait for y'all to get it together. It's just, I mean, it is bad because they can't get anything done mm-hmm. as a whole, but it is, it does make me smile. When I sit back and watch it, and they're giving these passionate speeches about who it is that they think should be, you know, the next speaker—names, some names I've never even heard of—and it's just so they're so passionate, and it's like for what? Nothing's going to come of this at the moment. Nothing's happening.
0: You need 218 votes yes. to become speaker. You have to have that number. You need a majority.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he can't get them. He can't get them because... He
1: won't get them. The
0: animus in the Republican Party is so deep. They're so unorganized. He's been such a poor leader at this uh, that the schism between him and some members of the Freedom Caucus, which is the far-right branch of the Republican Party in the House, just can't fucking get along. He's done everything they've asked him to. They wanted the fucking magnetometers taken out. They wanted the metal detectors taken out of the Capitol building. So pointless. After there was an attack on the fucking building two years ago, he took them out. He's given them everything that they want. He's given them the tank. He's given them the butt. He's given them the entire <laughs> thing. He's given them a little nipple. He's given them the licky licky to reach okay. around, All and right. they just won't come. Like, there's this, he's given them everything that he can. We're gonna talk to Aaron Rupar about this because, you guys, This has ramifications, okay? There are liars like Santos that need to be able to continue their lives by being sworn (laughs) in, and they can't do it because Kevin McCarthy insists on being the next speaker. He's not giving up, and they're not backing down. We're at an impasse, and it is literally the most entertaining nigga shit that has ever happened. You know, I'm not even going to diss us. Why would I diss us? We're not like this. We'll get behind somebody and figure it out. But th- <laughs> it's the most entertaining fucking bullshit that I've ever seen before on Capitol Hill. Outside but, of Bill Clinton's testimony in the Monocle whiskey thing, he's probably <laughs> too young.
1: But. Well, listen, we thought that the the fact that the red wave never happened showed that the party was just kind of like out of sorts. But the fact that they're turning on each other with this, it's even worse. And I feel like this isn't it, Van. There's going to be more. Something else is going to happen where... What are the Freedom Caucus?
0: Freedom Caucus.
1: The Freedom Caucus puts their foot down about something else. Just just because, like, they just want to fuck with people. They're emboldened. Yeah. It's
0: so funny to watch Kevin McCarthy, like, with that snowman smile on. Y'all know how a (laughs) snowman smiles, but they still melting? (laughs) You see a a snowman, and at first the snowman's all whole. (laughs) And like, oh, it's Christmas, oh, it's Christmas, <laughs> and then over time, the snowman is just melting, is but the a... smile is still there. Your mind thinks that I'm just saying, <laughs> the, like, the smile is still there, oh, it's Christmas. but he's like a, a melting, smiling snowman, he's literally dissipating in front of our eyes, but there's nothing he can do about it. And by the way, just to let you guys know. You might think that I'm being a little harsh on Kevin McCarthy in light of some of the things that we've talked about on this podcast today. Uh, No, and I'll tell you why. Because Smiley Snowman, (laughs) that's him. I'll tell you why. Kevin McCarthy made this bed. He decided that he wanted to go to the furthest of the far right. He decided that he wanted to placate Trump and the insurrectionists. He decided he wanted to cast his lot with election deniers and the furthest fringe of his party. And what did those people give him back? Jack shit. Good on you. I hope that everybody <laughs> in, in America is paying attention to what happens when you cash your lot with the Trump people and his far-right MAGA cult. You will lose. Mm-hmm. If either you'll be Rudy Giuliani and you will lose. Uh, your integrity and whatever legacy you have. Either you'll be some of these guys and you'll lose your freedom. Either you'll be some of these old Trump staffers who say they can't get jobs now. You'll lose your employability or you'll be scores of other Republican lawmakers. Yeah. And you'll lose your election. But casting your lot with them, you will lose. Aaron Aaron Rupar is coming on right now. We love Aaron. Uh, We're going to get to him. He's going to make sense of this So that, you know, we can do everything we need to do, whatever. Guys, you're all aware of what's going on in Washington right now. Minority leader Kevin McCarthy
6: is in the fight
0: of his life. (laughs) I don't know if you can call it the fight of your life when you just keep getting your ass kicked over and over again. Just before we started recording, I was told that he lost his speaker election this election for the Speaker of the House, uh, for the 11th time. We've been doing this for three days now. We're leaking over into unprecedented times with this. And there are a lot of questions, and we have somebody back on the podcast to help us answer those questions. We have political commentator Aaron Rupar joining us today again on Higher Learning. Aaron, how are you doing, my friend?
10: Doing all right. Uh, yeah, just before we hopped on, uh, Kevin lost for the 11th time, equaling Bill Russell's. Uh, <laughs> NBA titles. Uh, it was kind of you know, earlier in the day when he hit uh, seven. I found a nice photo of uh, Tom Brady with uh, the seven rings that I posted on Twitter, you know, just joking <laughs> that now, you know, Kevin McCarthy, Kevin McCarthy was an elite company. And uh, now we hit 11. I don't, I don't think any athlete has gone more than 11. I, I can't think of one. I can't <laughs> think of one. <laughs> I mean, I,
0: that's a good thing for the for the thought warriors out there. Like as far as championships, I can't think of somebody that would have 11 more than 11 championships. That's O.D. So straight up question right now. How is this happening to him?
10: <laughs> well, um the short answer is that I think he expected and a lot of people did that there would be a big red wave in November and so if that would have happened, and Republicans had a larger majority, then he would have been able to lose more votes within his caucus and still hit the majority threshold that you need to become speaker. But of course, the elections were kind of a dud for Republicans. They only ended up with, I believe it's a five seat majority in the House. And so he can only lose those five votes. And of course, you have the extreme fringe of the House Republican caucus, people like um, Lauren Boebert, Matt Gaetz, uh, Bob Good people like that who just seem like they will never kind of get with the program here. And so as a result, he's just unable to hit that magic number of 218 votes. And the other problem, and this is kind of even more comical in a way, is that he also doesn't necessarily have the the votes right now to adjourn the house, because to adjourn, you also need to have half of the, you know, you need a majority of the people voting to adjourn. And so it's almost kind of like this purgatory type state um, where, he doesn't have the votes to become speaker, but he also might not have the votes to actually, you know, take a break. And so we're just voting over and over and over again. And um, it's unprecedented. I think the last time that um, we had gone this many ballots deep to choose a speaker was like 18. It was in the 19th century, like the mid 19th century. So we're talking 150 some years ago. And before uh, Tuesday, there hadn't been a House Speaker election that had gone more than one ballot in 100 years. And so um, if you try and find historical precedents for this, you have to dig pretty deep. Um, but it's made for really entertaining times on C-SPAN. Um, so it's been a, a big week for C-SPAN, at least. For
1: sure. <laughs> entertaining times on C-SPAN, but humiliating for Kevin McCarthy. And you wrote an article detailing that. Why is this so humiliating for him and maybe even for the party itself?
10: Yeah, I wrote about this on my uh, in my newsletter public notice, and um, the main reason that it's humiliating. I mean, there are a number of reasons. One of which is that uh, McCarthy, expecting that he would win on either the first ballot or an early ballot, actually moved his stuff into the Speaker's office. Uh, Nancy Pelosi got out of there. You know, Pelosi got out of there, I believe, uh, just a few days ago. And so, there's actually video of people moving his stuff into the Speaker's office, which obviously looks very presumptuous now that it appears that may not even happen. And so you have that, I mean, you have him basically gallivanting around the country for years, um, really kind of sucking up and making friends with the most extreme Republicans in the House GOP, thinking that would be enough you know, to win their support. And in some cases it was. I mean, for instance, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been one of his more staunch supporters, and she's actually alienated a lot of her really far-right supporters by backing McCarthy as much as she has. Um, but you know, when you combine kind of him debasing himself all over the country, you know, campaigning for some really unsavory candidates, with the optics of him moving into this office before apparently he even had the votes, you know, to win the speaker election, um, you know, it's it's a really humiliating thing, and it's kind of an open question as to whether you know do you resign from Congress after this? How do you kind of come back from um, you know eleven attempts and counting at winning one of these speaker elections and failing? Um, You know, I'm guessing he'll at least stick it out for the next two years and then we'll see. But, you know, again, this hasn't happened in anybody who's alive in their lifetime. So um, it's kind of uncharted waters. But, you know, he he was projecting a lot of confidence about this as recently as a week ago. It wasn't clear even back then if he had the votes, Um, but he hasn't been able to strike a deal. And, you know, the other thing that should be mentioned is that it's not like some of these far right House Freedom Caucus members are really standing on any sort of principle right now with this. It seems like they're basically negotiating for chairmanships of committees and kind of, you know, stature for themselves more so than any sort of like policy issues at play. And so, you know, we're kind of seeing this spectacle of democracy in action here where, you know, this is how a functioning democracy should work. You need to line up the votes to become speaker in our system. And so it's good that it's kind of playing out publicly, but you kind of wish on the other hand, that there were some real principles, you know, sort of hanging in the balance here. And it does kind of feel more like, You know, sort of a petty high school fight, people jockeying for the cool kids' lunch table, sort of thing. And so, um, I'm fascinated at this point to see. You know, we're talking here on Thursday how this is going to resolve. Um, This could drag on into next week at this point, but you know, there has to be some sort of deal to get a candidate to 218. Otherwise, the House literally cannot function. Members can't be sworn in because the House Speaker swears in the members.
0: So, I saw an interview with Lauren Lauren Bulbert where she said that he made no attempt to court them for their votes prior to this because he expected a red wave, like you said. My thing is, I want people to understand why they are doing this. Are they doing this just because they haven't been recruited <laughs> in a passionate enough fashion? Uh, I, I saw that Matt Gates was asking for subcommittee chair, which is never going to happen. It, it, I saw that like what do they want? What would it take for them to I guess get on board with McCarthy as speaker because I'll say this. Yeah. this is bad for the for the for the right. it is it's bad for the right. It's bad for the for the Republicans. They look like they're incapable of governing. they look like their uh-huh. party is in disarray. At the same time, this is holding up the processes and the function of the country. So the question is, if he can't get these people to get on, who are they going to move the fuck on to somebody else? <laughs> but the, I, my, my main question is, yeah. why? You touched on it briefly. Like, yeah. why are they doing this? Yeah. And they're kicking him in his nuts
6: in front of everybody. <laughs>
10: yeah. I think, actually, the premise of your question kind of, you sort of answered it in, in the question itself. Because, like, for instance, Lauren Boebert last night was on MSNBC, which is like that kind that of interview hell freezes over. Situation for her to be on MSNBC primetime doing an interview. She's been all over Fox. Um, you know, Matt Gates has been all over the news. It means people are getting all sorts of attention, and so you know that is part of the currency of being in Congress is having a big platform, people listening to you. Um, you know, some of the McCarthy allies have been going on TV and saying that essentially McCarthy has given them pretty much everything that he can give them, and they're still not compromising or willing to make any sort of a deal here. And so um, I do think that the amount of tension, uh, attention that some of these members are getting is kind of fueling this. Um, and that's just kind of how politics works. Where, of course, you want to talk to Lauren Boebert and get her perspective on why she's holding out and won't support Kevin McCarthy. I will say as kind of a side note, it was very funny before uh, we hopped on this the Zoom. Uh, Matt Gates actually nominated Donald Trump to be Speaker of the House, which you can do because you don't have to be a member of Congress to become Speaker. But I thought it was pretty notable <laughs> that he only ended up receiving one vote. Um, he only got Matt Gaetz's wow. vote. So you, you kind of think of, of Trump as like this huge power broker and right. the kingmaker of the Republican Party. And, you know, so that would seem to be like one possible solution is that, you know, Trump is still broadly popular among Republicans. You put him up as a, as the speaker candidate, maybe he could get to 218, but nope, he only got that one single vote. Um, so, you know, that's kind of where we're at, where it's just complete chaos. But I do think the fact that people like Bobert are getting the kind of these prime TV bookings, you know, raises their stature. Um, but again, you know, it gets back to, I, I don't really get the sense that there are any sort of principles kind of underpinning this. Like you might want to say that, well, you know, these holdouts really want some sort of, order security package, or they want, you know, immigration reform, things like that, or tax reform, but they really don't seem to, it just seems like they want, you know, better positions for themselves on committees. Um, You know, one of the issues that has been a sticking point is, you know, to get not too deep into the weeds here, but it's called motion to vacate the chair, which basically means that any member can bring a motion that comes up for a vote, and if enough people vote for that, then the Speaker of the House is removed. And so it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's a clause that basically, Um, allows members to remove the speaker at any time. And this forced John Boehner out seven years ago when he left as speaker and and stepped down. And so McCarthy has been holding out to try to keep that to a five vote threshold, which would mean that you would need five members of the House GOP to bring a motion that could basically strip him of his job. But some of these members like Boebert wanted to be just a one member threshold where any (laughs) member of the House- So
0: so at any time somebody (laughs) could bring a motion- and it calls a vote for him to essentially be impeached removed. as the Speaker of, like, yes. removed as the Speaker of the House, which would make him such a weak Speaker, which he's always go- already going to be anyway, That there's no way that he could <laughs> ever go along with that, right?
10: Right. I mean, there's been reporting today that actually he is now caving on the one vote thing because, you know, it seems like oh um, God. you know the the one member threshold for this because it seems like, you know, maybe that's one of the last concessions that he can possibly make, but... The other thing that I'll put out there is that, you know, some of the more moderate House Republicans have been talking today about possibly striking some sort of deal with Democrats where you basically forget about these 20 far right House Freedom Caucus members, kind of just let them do their thing. But if you could identify, you know, 20 to 30 Democrats who, you know, maybe you could do something where the balance of power on these committees is 50-50 instead of Republicans having a majority, or you could offer some sort of concessions to Democrats to get them to go along either with McCarthy or another you know kind of more moderate uh, candidate probably wouldn 't be McCarthy, probably you know someone who um, didn 't vote in in two thousand and twenty one to overturn the election results um, <laughs> but someone who would be a, amenable both to Republicans and Democrats while, you make some concessions to Democrats to get them to go along so to me, that seems like you know one path out of this um, another is that these members just get tired and you know want to carry on with the business of the house. I mean a lot of these members have their families in d c Um, you know, for their, uh, you know, for when they're sworn in for the photo ops and just the festivities surrounding being sworn into office. And we're on day three of this now. So something we'll give eventually, but that's something to kind of keep your eye on as we get further into this, the possibility that there is some sort of really unprecedented type of deal where you'd have Republicans and Democrats coming together on some sort of compromise candidate and some concessions being offered to Democrats to get them to go along with that.
1: Um, You mentioned Gates uh, voting for Trump. Now, we know that Trump is supporting Kevin McCarthy and these people who are, you know, holding it up and that are against him. I say these people, these Congress uh, Congress people who are um, holding it, uh, holding up the vote are Trump supporters. What does this say about Trump and his influence over the party? And does this even speak or maybe give us insight into what's to happen in 2024?
10: I don't think I would go that far um, because this is sort of a weird situation where the idea of him being speaker when you're not even a member of Congress, and obviously he wasn't known as being some sort of like master legislative tactician. Um, it's it's kind of a weird idea in and of itself. And so I wouldn't go as far as to say that this reflects, you know, kind of his, um, you know, the, the, a real fading of his star in any sort of serious sense. Although I will say, you know, to kind of back up, you know, to kind of play the other side of that a little bit that, you know, another notable thing was yesterday Trump released a statement on Truth Social endorsing McCarthy and basically urging, you know, members to vote for him. And um, would say, go know, fuck yourself. Because it didn't swing. A, it didn't swing <laughs> yeah. a single vote. It ended up swinging yeah. the same 20 people against Trump uh, against McCarthy that there have been all along here. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in that sense, the fact that people don't really seem to be listening to his endorsements. Um, you know, it's kind of problematic for him. But, you know, ultimately, it's going to come down to the primary voters in the Republican presidential primary that are going to make the decision as to whether or not, you know, Trump um, is kind of removed from the scene, you know, against his will in terms of, you know, if Ron DeSantis beats him or Glenn Youngkin or another candidate beats him. Uh, Trump has never been, you know, extremely popular uh, with power brokers in the Republican Party, you know, until he became president, people kind of had to make peace with him. Um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily go as far as to say that the fact that he's not really gaining traction as a speaker candidate is any sort of major indictment of him. But I will say, you know, the fact that he made this endorsement, people didn't listen to it. You know, it is notable because you would think that if, if these members are really afraid of him, um, they would listen to him. But in this case, they seem to basically, you know, take that statement on true social uh, and, and throw it in the, in the rubbish bin, basically.
0: Hakeem Jeffries is the minority leader. Hmm, this is funny. He's he's Black. He's the minority leader. Funny. Uh, Anyway, um, Hakeem Jeffries is the minority leader. He's got 212 votes. Obviously, it is incredibly unlikely that there's any path to him becoming um, Speaker of the House. However, I do. The the Democrats are together. They are unanimous in voting for Hakeem Jeffries. I do want to ask you what this means for the left. Do you think that this shows um, such a fracture in the Republican Party that there is a way for the left to capitalize on this? Is there a way to build on this? What message does this send to the American people? When I say the American people, I mean the American people that would listen to a sensible message. What's your What's your take on that?
10: Yeah. Well, the first thing is that the contrast between what we're seeing now and what we saw in 2021 when Democrats had basically the same uh margin of majority that republicans now have i think it was you know i think democrats had a four vote uh majority republicans currently have a five vote majority so very similar and every single democrat voted i believe um i'd have to go back and look but you know it wasn't four uh, it was enough voted for nancy pelosi to get her over the finish line as speaker and it really wasn't there wasn't any drama involved in that at all and so that you know does show and that continues to this current day that democrats are much more united and much more um, you know, they're much more governable in that sense than Republicans are these days. Um, you know, we are a ways out at this point from the next election. And so I do think that voters tend to have pretty short, uh, memories, and attention spans. So, you know, I don't know at this point, you know, if 18 months from now, you know, when the campaign really heats up for 2024, if people will still be thinking about this, but, you know, I, I definitely think that it shows that you have a far right fringe, of the Republican party that is mostly about posturing and kind of getting Fox news hits and going on Newsmax And, you know, whether that's owning the libs or owning Kevin McCarthy, you know, they're, they're really about kind of the spectacle of posturing and being on TV and getting attention. And that's not a new thing, but again, I think that um, in previous periods, Republicans have had a house majority. They've had enough of a cushion where that fringe hasn't been empowered in the way they are right now. And so, yeah, I mean, the problem is that um, in a lot of these districts where you have these really stubborn House Republicans, they're very safe seats. And so I don't really know how like with a Bob Good or Matt Gates. I mean, these are people who are winning their elections by, you know, 20 to 30 point margins. Lauren, Bo- Lauren Boebert is, is an interesting case because she just won her election uh, a couple months ago by like 300 votes. So, you know, the fact that she I thought that was kind of one of the humorous aspects of her going on TV and kind of. Uh, pretending to be this like really, you know, like this thought leader in the Republican Party is that, you know, in a very red area of Colorado, she barely hung on in November. And so she's kind of a unique case where um, her district is swingy enough where, um, you know, she's going to definitely be a target um, in 2024 for the Democratic Party to possibly take that seat. Um, But you're always going to have this fringe on the right, you know, people from deep red states who um, really like to grandstand and kind of get this sort of attention for themselves. And so, you know, I hope voters are paying attention to that. I mean, I do think that you see the chaos that's happening and you kind of shake your head at the fact that voters felt like it was a decent idea to give Republicans control of the chamber because um, they can't even uh, keep it together enough to get uh, a speaker in place and to get sworn in, let alone to pass any sort of legislation that's actually going to benefit people. And so we're just going to have to endure this for, you know, a couple of years at this point. But I do hope that when 2024 rolls around, voters do remember this and maybe keep this in mind before they pull the lever for someone like Bobert again.
1: Mm. Mm. Last question for me, if not Kevin McCarthy, who do you think is is taking that, that role? I, I know everyone's kind of talking about Steve Scalise.
10: I'm not sure who else is. Yeah, you know, that's been one of, because we're 11 ballots deep mm-hmm. and Scalise has not received a single vote. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of the presumptive sort of second in command. He's been very loyal to McCarthy. And so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, this Byron Donald's guy kind of <laughs> came out of nowhere yesterday. BD. Uh, as The alternative <laughs> and like, I mean, I had heard of him in the sense that I watch a lot of Fox News, and he's on Fox all the time. Um, he's one of the members. And I think that's part of the reason that he became kind of popular among Republicans is because he's good on TV. He goes on Fox. He kind of has that platform for himself. But um, he's kind of an unknown guy. And then today, there's this Kevin Hearn guy from Oklahoma who's been put out there as a nominee and gotten some votes. But they don't really seem like serious contenders to get to 218 for me. So it could be someone like Scalise. Um, It could be someone with a lower profile who maybe isn't quite as divisive because Scalise was pretty deep in a lot of the election denialism and the big lie stuff. And so I think that makes him radioactive for any Democrats. But um, you know that that really is kind of an open question. And if I had to kind of wager on at this point, I would say that maybe it would be someone like Scalise, who I think um, is viewed as being a little bit more of a serious person than McCarthy is, but. Um, You know, it really could be someone that, that we're not even thinking about at this point who's known to colleagues in the House, I mean there are over 400 members and, for instance like this Kevin Hearn guy I mean I follow politics for a living today, but he was first sworn into office in 2019 he's in Oklahoma like he hasn't really done anything major in the House and so you know, you see some of these people whose names come up for speaker, and it's like, I don't even know who this is, you know, and so um, it's kind of a weird thing with the House, when you have that many members. But I guess if I did have to, you know, it's kind of boring. But I guess if I did have to wager on at this point, I would probably put my money on Scalise being the most likely person if it's not going to be McCarthy, but I still think ultimately, probably the most likely outcome is McCarthy making some sort of deal with the far right fringe to get those people on board, because you just can't keep going on like this i mean they might have to adjourn for the weekend or something but uh at some point people are just going to have to sleep you know what i mean like they um they're still there voting they've been there now for you know like 10 hours today and it just can't go on overnight so uh there has to be some way out um but it'll be a really interesting and amazing story if they can't find a way out and they just keep voting forever and i guess they just have to move in on the house floor and get their sleeping bags and uh you know and and set up residence yeah. there
0: stuff it's tough, stuff it's tough. aaron rupar He is at A.T. rupar. That's at A.T.R.U.P.A.R. on Twitter, covering U.S. politics and media and a SnapStream expert.
10: That's right. That's what I used to post, all the little video clips. Um. SnapStream. I see it.
0: I'm like, how did he get that?
10: how does he get? See, I'm gonna have to. Wow, this is great. I'm actually gonna send the end of this podcast to SnapStream because I'm a brand ambassador for them. <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, so, like, getting this sort of shout out—that's uh, that's great for them. No, it, it really is a good product. It's it's the video service, and it's it's actually used by a lot of um, sports teams and ESPN too because it basically records TV and allows you to post it on social media very quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's really helped me build up my Twitter account and spend huge this week as I'm following all the developments on the house floor and kind of getting little clips out for people.
0: I want to use Snapchat. Yeah. I'm looking it up
1: now. I'm, you, Snapchat, I'm like, how does he get the stuff? You're a great ambassador. I'm, re- I'm recording <laughs> this shit off my <laughs> TV. Ask, ask and Bill post-
10: about it. I'm surprised. I'm surprised Bill Simmons has not already ponied up for Snapchat for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Get on it, Bill. Get
0: on it, Bill. <laughs> all right, Aaron, thank you for joining us today on higher learning brother. We will check back in with you to try to get some resolution to this. Uh, comedy of my errors. Pleasure. That is American politics.
10: My pleasure. Anytime. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's.
1: Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with
10: Tom. Oh,
1: the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle
10: for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's, huzzah, a toast to breakfast.
1: This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life with premium interiors, available wireless charging and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai, visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe.
6: All right, you
0: guys, (laughs) this is a long ass podcast. Look, we, we shout out to Aaron Rupar, by the way, and shout out to Snapstream. Doing a good job. Yes. Uh, shout out to Snapchat. We realize this part is long. We did not part on Monday. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff happened. And to just be frank with you, it's a hell of a news week.
1: Yeah, it's a great news week. So
0: should we? Well, not a great news week. It's I a.
1: Mean, <laughs> it's, an, it's an interesting. Excuse it's me. It's a lot of an news. Interesting news week. Yes, not all the news is great. We even get to talk about
0: Benedict Cumberbatch's family, <laughs> Doctor Strange.
1: Well nothing's happening there. Nothing's happening nothing's there. Nothing's happening there. I Angela feel like, Bassett's kid. But like we've done a lot of talking. We should turn it over to the Thought Warriors and oh, do you mailbag. Right. mailbag. You know what I mean? Like let's give them let's give them their moment.
0: Mailbag time. Time to read your letters and then we'll reply to them. Oh it's mailbag time. Write us with your queries, and we'll chime
2: and first mailbag question is uh from bird noah he's put this one in the uh mailbag a a few times and i think it's a good question so if you could only listen to music from one decade what would you choose the 90s
0: easy now that's not me saying that hold on rachel that's not, not me. I'm
1: thinking the that's, 90s is good. That's not
0: me saying that the best music comes from the 90s. No. That's clearly not true. But if that's
1: all you got? Yeah. Starting from the beginning of the 90s because that covers like the NWA era, but then yeah. you get all the way to the ends and that's yeah. like Puff Daddy and the Family. It would be the 90s. That's tough. No, cuz I That's tough.
0: But you got to think about this now because the 70s is
1: well. The 70s the was best. my first thought. Yeah. But Cause whatever we do, it has to have Michael.
0: Okay, I have to have <laughs> Michael. well then you want the '80s.
1: No, but the '90s covers
0: them. The '90s, you got with Michael, you got Dangerous, and you got History. It covers them. With the '80s, you got Thriller and Bad. If it's about I know, Michael, but it's not all about 80s. it. And
1: I want like, you have Prince. You got Prince in the '90s. You do have Prince in the '90s. The '90s was is good, but I'm almost gearing to the '70s. Okay, because I just want some more Motown.
0: You want Stevie I w- Wonder?
1: I want. Motown in there. Well, Motown is more like the 60s, though. But it goes into the 70s. It's true. Remember? Because they start doing, like, even the temps change Kids into like the 70s. Afros
0: and shit. Yeah, no, that's true. It's true.
1: And you got the disco era. I love disco. So, like, if you fix the 90s, I got to go with the 70s. How do you like it? You ever heard that song? How do you like it? How do
3: you
0: like it? How do you like it? Oh, mama, music how do you like it? You you like that song?
1: Yeah, I love that song. That's a
0: great song. Oh, man.
1: Okay, so dun, if dun, I do the 70s, that means I get some of the Jackson 5. I'll Jackson be there. I don't need that shit. Ca- I'll be there. The only thing from the 70s
0: I'm really missing is, well, it's a couple of things because the 70s is great. Yeah, great there's a lot of things. I'm missing Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. which I love. I'm missing Stevie Wonder, which I love from the 70s. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm missing Zeppelin and some other people like that. You like know what I'm Fleetwood saying? Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. It's great. The seventies is the best decade of music to me. You got However, Al
1: Green was big in the seventies. If,
0: if it's going to be though, if it's going to be just like one decade, if you're telling me just, I'm going to have to listen to only That's one fine. decade, it's going to be the nineties, man.
1: That's fine.
0: It's, it's, it's definitely going to be the nineties. It's but, not bad. Yeah. It,
1: it's, it, it made me think. That's a great question.
2: All right, next one is from icy introvert Mariah. She or he asks, what do you find funny that other people don't?
1: What do I find funny that other people don't? I have something. Of course you do. Is it inappropriate?
0: No, not at
3: all. Okay,
1: what?
0: It's this movie called Looper.
1: I love Looper. The kid is hilarious. Is it the kid?
0: Okay, it's, it's about the kid. Okay, so I, I I'm I so surprised that you've seen Looper.
1: Love I'm obsessed with that kid.
0: Okay. From so, that movie. So there's a movie called Looper. Okay. In the movie is Joseph Gordon Levitt. Shout out to Ryan Johnson, by the way. Glass Onion was fantastic.
1: It was it, really good. Is,
0: is Joseph Gordon Levitt? Is fucking Bruce. I don't know why I've seen Looper. Is Bruce Willis? Looper's I love it Looper. It was really right? good. Um and there's a kid in the movie, right?
1: Fantastic. Okay, so in the this kid movie. in the movie
0: is good. He's definitely good, but like the kid at one point, you know, the kid can really like. Um, how can I explain this? The kid has like he has powers. Uh, he's got powers. Everybody in the movie, it's like a turn, a time in where everybody has like a little they time jump, and
1: they yeah, and they time jump in the movie, right? Yeah, they time yeah, yeah. jump because they loop. They loop.
0: Well, yes. Well, they go backwards.
1: Yeah.
0: No, wait a minute. No, so, Bruce
1: it, is forward. Bruce but is forward.
0: He now. He, should Bruce comes I mean? back. Bruce comes back yeah. because, like, uh, he is Bruce. Yes, and Bruce is trying to close his loop. Spo-
1: spoiler, but whatever, whatever. whatever. It's been out too long.
0: So, so it's Looper, whatever. And so, the, he meets Emily Blunt. She has his son, and he's really, he's really strong with telekinesis.
1: And it's it, yes.
0: And he ends up becoming and he's a key to the whole thing. Things it's, that could happen the in the world. Really great. Yes. Okay. And for some reason, like you know, you don't know what's wrong with him. Emily Blunt goes to, like, get in the safe and blah, 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 blah. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, uh, like, he witnesses the kid's powers. (laughs) And he witnesses the kid's powers. And he says, uh, the kid, the kid, he lifts uh, Garrett Dillahunt up into the top and he rips him apart and he fucking destroys the house. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character goes, what is he? Some kind of TK freak? And I don't know why. Why does it make you think of that? <laughs> because it's something that's bothered Kalika for years. It used to bother her all the time. It used to bother her back in the day. It's like, it would be like, what is it? What is he? What is he? Some kind of TK freak? <laughs> what is he? Some kind of TK freak? And I'll be like, what? And I remember when we were in the movies. And he said that on personal laughter. And then went to a friend's house and I played that part for him. And they're like, and they didn't laugh. nobody ever laughs because it's not funny. I don't know why. It was like, it's like, it's just fucking hysterical to me. He's so scared. What is he? Some kind of TK freak. It's like fucking
1: hilarious to me. I can't think of one. I know there's one. There's. I'm sure there's something that I have laughed at that nobody else laughed. I'm trying to find it
0: right now. <laughs> that's oh, a good movie, it.
1: though. That was a good one. I love that movie. Looper
0: TK Freak is what I looked up. I don't know why it's Did that's it pop so up? funny to me. No. No, because right.
1: nobody else finds it funny. <laughs> nobody thinks
0: it's funny, bro. That shit is funny to me, dog. That shit is hilarious to me. He's like, a bloody telekinetic scene. Here it is right here. Let me see. And then, and then he... Because the kid falls down the stairs... And then he kills Gary Hunt. It's just so
2: funny. What is he? Some TK freak. Anyway, uh Donnie, what's the next one? All right, next one is kind of long, uh, but it's pretty good too, I think. I'm your Huckleberry asks, My first mailback question: Van and Big Rachel. Y'all love football like me with the D Hamlin life-threatening injury and my quarterback Tua getting three concussions in a season. This is the first time I've questioned young men, especially young black men playing football in high school and junior high. They don't have the ability to immediately respond to the player medical needs like the NFL. So the question is, if you had a son, would you let him play football?
1: No, Brian and I have talked about this. No, I wouldn't. And I'm, and I know I'm a hypocrite. I love the game. I watch the game. Um, I've worked in it before, but no. I think the risks are too great, greater than the love. So I just wouldn't want to subject my child to that. Um, At least as long as I could control it, Mm. right? If I go to college and he walks on a team, you know, I'm not, I don't know how much control I have over that. But as long as I can, I think that you parents are influential in their kids, like in the upbringing, as far as like what sports they put them in. I wouldn't put him in Pop Warner or anything like that. He would have to discover the love of it on his own.
0: Um, uh,
3: yes. I would.
0: Yes, I would. Why? Uh, um, <laughs> I would limit the amount of football. I don't think you're playing uh, I think you're playing touch probably until the eighth or ninth grade. Just limit the amount of hits.
1: Eighth or ninth grade, they play tackle in junior high.
0: They play tackle at seven years old. So but what I'm saying is my son wouldn't play.
1: <laughs> where do they play t- where do they play touch in eighth grade? Well, they have flag football leagues. They have Oh, so you don't have flag, no flag football. football. Yeah, no, when oh. I say
0: flag, when I say touch, I meant flag. Oh. I would say I would I would have them in So P E. Well, no. I mean, they're competitive no, seven I, on seven. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So I would have him probably doing that. Now, if he's probably me, he's going to be a big boy that he might come in behind in some lineman skills or something like that. I can't see having a bunch of hits on somebody at 11, 12, 13 years old. we um, will have to start in high school for me, but I couldn't see keeping him off the field if he wanted to play. I mean, the, you know, it's, it's just too much. I just gotta be real with you. It's just kind of like too much a part of of uh, of just how we grew up. I mean, if you will want to play, I would, I would I would I would let them play. Mm. Um, if my daughter wanted to play, I would let her play. Quarterback princess, I, I like uh, Holly Hunt movie. Look it up. You ever seen it?
1: Come on. It's
0: a good movie. Um, uh, but no, I I, I, would, I would let them play. I would just make sure that it was as safe as possible. Um, and make sure that we cut down on, on the amount of hits that he's going to have to take in his life,
1: side note, I feel like because I told you I saw Looper, you think that you might be lucky with another one. you know I can't it's believe like, you've seen it. out of every ten movies, I might get one it, it, so you, don't you threw in. Quarterback Princess is like, come on, let's Nobody go back. Has seen let's go back. Pri- let's Nobody. go back to what we know. Nobody we got has lucky seen Quarterback Princess.
0: But I tell you, I tell you one thing though: I'm so fucking shocked that you've seen Looper. I don't
1: know why I watched it. It was no, it wasn't even on a plane. I don't know why I saw it. Okay, um, like It's Stinson Helen Hunt
0: it. in Quarterback Princess. Is that what I said?
1: No, you said Holly Hunt.
0: It's not Holly. It's Helen Hunt. In quarterback Princess. She's the. She's a. She plays quarterback for our high school team. Quarterback princess, I like that shit.
2: Anyway, um, Donnie, we got anything else? Uh, we got one more. We can do it real quick if y'all want. Okay, Dub City Twenty Seven asks, "What's the greatest album from your city slash state?" Oh, that's easy.
1: What is yours?
2: From my state, for four hundred degrees.
1: I know, right? Yeah, juvenile. I'm gonna go with uh Mama's Gun, Erica Badu,
0: from all of Texas.
1: <laughs> that. Album. It's amazing. Is I'm, incredible. Not, I'm, not, I'm, just,
0: I'm just trying to see. So, so then to, why
1: why does it have to be rap?
0: I'm not saying it has to be rap. I'm saying that's so that's better than all Beyonce shit.
1: Oh, but see, I'm not in the beehive. did actually that didn't even Beyonce didn't even cross my mind.
0: I'm, oh, by the way, I'm not saying that you're not right. I'm just saying Texas is so big. It's so big.
1: But you know what? And I'm, I think you I'm have gonna, a lot of options in Louisiana. I agree with yeah, 400. Shit I agree with 400 all degrees. The jazz, all the, but Mama's Gun is incredible. Okay,
0: let's look this up. Musical artists.
1: I thought from... Nor- "Come Away with Me," Nora Jones, is a really great, fantastic you. I, you album as well. I'm being Texas. toxic.
0: I'm being toxic. Toxic. Because you... man
1: wants me to pick a man. What the fuck? <laughs> Did I bring up a man? I, I said Beyonce.
0: It's so many people, though. It's so many people. Texas got no. You're right, but but I would probably have to but. Just if you ask me, knee jerk, knee jerk, my favorite, because it's your favorite. So my favorite, 400 degrees. 400 Who's degrees. your knee
1: jerk Texas then?
0: Bruh. I'm not going to lie, bruh. My knee jerk Texas is riding dirty that UGK, bruh. That's that, I, like, is it, it, that, is that, is that, is that, that, that UGK, dog? I'm going to be honest with you,
1: bruh. A man.
0: You know, put on. Hold on, hold on, bro. I, I, that's is. If you're talking about you, you talking about this right here? Hold on for a second. I know you know this shit. You can't tell me about this shit. (laughs) Pepsi, bitch. So what the fuck is up? Oh,
1: rest in peace, Pepsi. Piece, Pepsi! Let it take us out, Diane.
0: You would think I was lying. They did think he was lying, but he was telling the truth. There was. Actually, he said Jeezy was lying. Anyway,
1: uh, unexpected ally of the week? Uh, Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines will be offering free Wi-Fi on their flights. I get very annoyed by the fact that you pay all that money for a flight and then you gotta pay an additional twenty. Sometimes if it's like cross country, it could be thirty dollars for your for your internet. And Delta is doing the right thing in twenty twenty three and giving to us for free.
0: Um mine is you, you people on Instagram, Twitter, social media that bonded together to raise that much money mm-hmm. for Damar Hamlin's uh uh Chasing M's foundation and um, <laughs> join me with a very funny tweet, uh, and just everyone who you know put their humanity on display. I was moved and incredibly inspired. I'm exhausted at the end of this. this
1: podcast it's it's been two and a half hours. Fuck it, give them a lot. We got a lot. We to are give them. making up. We we gave them the last podcast we did in 2022 was a jam packed episode. We gave y'all a lot when other people were taking vacations.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: we were in the studio. oh yeah. And by that, I mean the Zoom podcasting. Yep. This is the first podcast of the new year mm-hmm. and we give you two and a half hours. Hell now, yeah. I can't say we're going to do that every single podcast, but it just lets you know we're not playing in 2023.
0: No, we're not fucking around.
1: Mm.
0: We'll smack More the to fuck. come. More to come. We
1: got some great guests coming up this month. Yep.
0: We got Barack Wait. Obama coming up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We got who, let's see who we got. We got coming up. We got Barack uh, Obama. Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg. Um, we got Oprah. Oprah. Did Oprah? Did Oprah say?
1: I think we're still waiting on Oprah so to wait confirm, Oprah but it's does. looking good.
0: Looking good for Oprah. Uh fuck Rihanna. Um, fuck. Uh, shit. We got mad people coming on, man. We we got so many people coming on. Donnie, who are some of the other people we got coming on in the podcast? Jay Z. I think Allison is talking to Michael Jackson. Yeah, that's gonna be. That was a hard get, but but we but we got some good. I mean, we got a lot of feedback from him. We might have to kind of. It's in the works. We might have to go to we'll him see. or do him over Zoom. We got Michael, Donny. Allison's really good at her job. Elton John. Do. We got. Janice Joplin. We got coming on the podcast. You know what I'm saying? Just got a lot of people, man. A lot of people. Just you know, you never know who's gonna pop up on this bitch. We might get. Uh, <sighs> I'm taking ra- <laughs> caps off, but they're not self learning. I'm Ben the Jr. I'm
1: Rachel and Lindsay. Bye, guys. I really thought right, Daddy oh. was going to say Michael Jordan. <laughs> so I <was> like, We're
6: drinking a
4: tad
9: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.